0: Benefits each week comes into force today in four London boroughs. It's been estimated that 40,000 households may lose up to £93 a week. The cap will later be applied across England, Wales and Scotland. The BBC's refused to drop tonight's edition of Panorama, which was filmed secretly in North Korea. There's been growing criticism that it may have put students in danger by using a London School of Economics study trip as cover, but the BBC said the film was strongly in the public interest and the students were warned of the dangers. The Respect MP, George Galloway, has said he will try to block plans designed to allow MPs to attend Lady Thatcher's funeral on Wednesday. Ministers want to delay the start of parliamentary business by a couple of hours, an approach backed by Labour, but Mr Galloway has said he will object. Under parliamentary rules, the proposal would then have to be withdrawn or MPs would have to hold a debate followed by a vote. Today marks the start of Parkinson's Awareness Week across Britain. According to Parkinson's UK, every hour someone across the country is told they have the condition 33 year old Neil Crittenden from Royston was one of them
1: often some people ask me about it and just sort of like strangers strangers in shops and taxi drivers and um, I'm more than happy to sort of speak about it because I think I really think education is the key
0: in sport, Adam Scott's become the first Australian winner of golf's Masters tournament in Augusta. He beat Angel Cabrera in a sudden death playoff after both men finished on nine under par. They couldn't be separated at the first playoff hole, but then Scott holed from 15 feet at the 10th green to take the first major of his career. Here's what he had to say shortly before picking up that famous green jacket.
2: It fell my way today. There was some luck there somewhere. I don't know how to digest it all at the moment, but it was incredible. It's incredible. To be in this position, I'm honoured.
0: The weather, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 17 degrees Celsius, that's 63 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Hey Catherine! Hello. What What happened? Did they reduce the sentence? What? What? How come you're back? Uh, well, I, I did a bit of a deal.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Can you, are you allowed to say on air what that deal was? Well
0: I could but then I'd have to kill you. Thank
3: you very much. It's almost like we missed her or something, isn't it? Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's light outside. I know it's mad, isn't it? I'm looking out of the window. Not now. I'm in a a, a soulless box. But, as I was wandering down, it's kind of light outside. (laughs) And there were bits of the weekend when it was warm. On Sunday morning, for 20 minutes, i stood in my garden. Well, I've stood in my garden for a lot longer, but for 20 minutes, it was warm in that bit. Very nice indeed. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... A group of men who discussed blowing up the Territorial Army Centre in Luton are appearing in court today. We look at whether there's a problem with extremism among young people in the town. If you fly with EasyJet, you'll notice big changes in a couple of weeks. They're scrapping their traditional check-in desks. A good idea because it'll speed things up, or is the airline just trying to save money? And children are less likely to follow the same careers as their parents than in Victorian times. Well, did any of your kids end up doing the same job as you? I bet would be hard-push to find any families listening to this show this morning could you send to that sentence there? But where the, the, the children are doing the same job as the parents. Prove me wrong. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text if you want. 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 555.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio. A group
3: of men who discussed blowing up the Territorial Army Centre in Luton are appearing in court today. All four, aged between 21 and 31, were arrested in a series of anti-terror raids in the town last April. They're due to be sentenced tomorrow. Well, Chair of the Luton Council of Faith, Zafar Khan, has been speaking to our reporter Divya Talwar. She asked him if there was a problem with extremism among young people in Luton.
5: Well, Luton has uh, had a bad press, uh, and the difficulties that Luton has encountered over the years have been blown out of uh, proportion by particularly national media, um, the sort of more popular, uh, you know, sort of wing of national media. But of course, uh, uh, there are challenges, there are issues that... uh, um, that Luton and Luton community or community organizations responsible organizations are aware of people are particularly young people are encouraged to to become uh, to, to distance them themselves and I think there, there, there is evidence that over the years that that process that approach is working in Luton.
6: and
4: what about why are you know certain members of the community young people being drawn into extremism in Luton?
5: I mean, I mean, I I, I think uh, you have uh, have to have a uh, perhaps a, a more uh, sort of a sociological approach to looking at this. But uh, I would say that um, uh, maybe young people are incorrigible. They 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 are more sort of susceptible. Um, there is also naivety, um, and that's where uh, for those of us who. Uh, ...are more aware and, and have responsibility in the communities... ...particularly faith organizations, particularly community organizations... ...particularly statutory bodies, that, that we do everything possible... ...to ensure that um, uh, youngsters do not fall, fall prey to, to extremism... ...or politics of extremism. I think what's positive in Luton is that all, um, um, all, all community... ...and statutory organizations are working together as a team in partnership local authority is very active police force is becoming more and more sensitive to uh, dealing with uh, these issues Uh, and community organisations are working uh, in uh, close cooperation with each other and I think that's a very positive aspect of uh, Luton and Luton life
4: Is this an issue I mean some people will criticise and say it's an issue that's not being tackled it's being brushed under the carpet and people are not acknowledging it
5: No I don't think so I think uh, um, you know you you see that increasingly particularly within the um, uh, muslim communities and and you know muslim commun- uh, muslim there isn't such a one muslim community There is it's quite a diverse uh, community in Luton. Luton has a very large South Asian uh, Muslim community um, coming from Pakistan, India, Bangladesh. Large Kashmiri uh, presence. Uh, also, uh, East African, North African, Middle Eastern uh, communities, Somali community, and so on. Um, and and so these communities, one senses, uh, are becoming more and more aware of ensuring that there is an environment created. Uh, where young people uh, actually do not get in, um, get sort of sucked into uh, extremism and and so on.
3: That's our reporter Divya Talwar speaking to the chair of Luton councillor Faiths, Zafar Khan. 08459 455555 555 is the phone number. You can go to Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Are your children doing the same job that you did? We'll discuss more after this.
7: Your blood like winter fuses just like ice And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you You'll wind up like the wreck you hide Behind that mask you use And did you think this fool could never win? Well look at me, I'm coming back again I got a taste of love in a simple way And if you need to know while I'm still standing You just fade away Don't you know I'm still standing Better than looking like a true survivor feeling like a little It were meant to cut me down And if my love was just a circus You'd be a clown by now No, I'm still standing Better than I ever did Looking like a true survivor Feeling like a little kid I'm still standing After all this time Thinking
3: Justin Bieber, haven't you? You have to, because he's the world's biggest Muppet. He is completely a Muppet. I'm trying to find the story. I read this online uh, and over the weekend about what Bieber had done. Excuse me rattling through the papers, because it's in some of the papers. I'm just trying to find it while I talk. Uh, and I thought that this was uh, was a joke, that this was um, a, like a, a Twitter spoof. But apparently it's true. Justin Bieber, he goes to the Anne Frank Museum in Amsterdam, I believe. Um, oh, here we go. It's on the Daily Mail. Uh... Justin's crass guestbook message Few who visit the former home of Anne Frank Leave without confronting the eternal lessons of good and evil That her tragic story embodies Unless, that is, you're Justin Bieber Following a trip to the, uh, to the museum in Amsterdam The treble pop star's reaction appeared crass at best he spent an hour touring the house where the young Jewish girl hid from Nazis. Which is good, you know, it's kind of humbling if you've ever been there, as I think I've walked past it. It's humbling, uh, and it's a, a lesson for us all. A young uh, Jewish girl persecuted by the Nazis hides in what's little more than a cupboard, and, and it, it's good of uh, an international multi-millionaire pop star to go and, go and look at this. Then you get to the guest book. You write down, you know, wh- wh- what you felt, what it meant to you. Justin Bieber writes... Truly inspiring to be able to come here. Anne was a great girl. Hopefully, she would have been a Belieber. Now, for those of you who aren't uh, savvy with uh, Justin Bieber slang, a Belieber is a Justin Bieber fan. So it's nice of him, isn't it, to think, oh, hopefully she would have been a fan of mine. True Belieber. What an idiot! After the Anne Frank Museum posted Bieber's comments on its Facebook page, he faced an immediate backlash online. He was denounced for being a little idiot who is way too full of himself. A spokesman for the museum said she did not see anything offensive in Bieber's remarks. Uh, uh, j- just Justin Bieber's just a complete... He is a nutter, isn't he? And I, I think I can say that without fear of legal recriminations. I, and I, Listen, I've signed ridiculous things in guest books. It, it's, a, it's a fun thing to do. Not in the Anne Frank Museum, you idiot! What are you thinking? Yeah, hopefully she would have been a believer. Nice one, Justin. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, when he was over here and he upset all his fans by being two hours late for a concert uh, and then collapsing on stage? When's he going to have the full Britney? When's he going to have the complete breakdown? Uh, Take a load of acid, be recorded talking about time travel because that's what she did, and then shave all of his hair off. That's what we want next from Justin B. I'll be a believer then when the spoilt little oik shaves his hair off and gets caught doing a load of drugs. Oh, 455 nine, four double, five, five, double five. We'll have a proper look at the newspapers uh, a little bit later on in the show, but it's coming up to 6.15. Let's get the travel news now. Here's James.
8: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
9: Thanks, Ian.
10: Looking at the motorway cameras, no problems for what I can see at the moment, the M1 and the M25, as well as the M40 uh, looking good on camera, and no problems yet for the A1M. Uh, Park Street roundabouts moving well on the sensors, and uh, as for trains, well, fortunately delays on First Capital Connect's Thameslink route south of London. There's a derailment down at Norwood Junction, uh, so uh, First Capital Connect trains south of St Pancras, down towards East Croydon, are uh, disrupted because of that derailment at Norwood Junction. No reported problems for uh, the West Coast main- Line currently, and no reported delays for tubes. If you're heading into London, I'm James Wallie, BBC Three Counters Radio.
3: Thank you, James. It's 6.15, it's Monday the 15th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four men who discuss blowing up the Territorial teritori- Army Centre in Luton are due in court later. A limit on the amount that any household can receive in benefits each week comes into force today in four London boroughs. And in sport, Adam Scott has become the first Australian winner of Golf's Masters Tournament in Augusta. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Rather cloudy start, but sunny intervals are expected to develop during the morning. Showers are also likely to develop by the afternoon. It'll be less warm but less windy than yesterday. Maximum temperature is 7 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking about the government's new benefits cap, which starts in four London boroughs today. 08 455 555.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
11: Tackling your consumer problems.
4: On BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: My
13: son took it to,
12: back to the, the garage. The mechanics is yet. I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do. And the car was still the same, still doing the same thing.
11: The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem... We can do the same for you.
14: I'd
3: like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got
15: without you.
11: It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio.
7: You say you don't believe in signs from up above And you laugh at the thought of putting your faith in stuff Like love you never see the rainbow you just curse the rain you say you want to believe but it's just not worth the pain today but that's all fine if that's how you want it to be but if you feel
3: three counties radio i had a revelation this weekend i watched toy story for the first time ever you guys never told me it was that good you didn't tell me it was all existential and about the meaning of existence and 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 life and do we are we really here it was brilliant it was also quite funny as well my three-year-old boy totally misunderstood the premise though at the end i said well did did you like it yeah yeah." what was your favorite bit i liked it when um the real cowboy met the toy cowboy Huh?" They're the same cowboy. No, no, there were two cowboys. There was a toy one and there was the real... No, they're the same cowboy. For goodness sakes, have I taught you nothing, son? Appreciate a good computer animated film. I very nearly watched Toy Story 2, which we also have, when he'd gone to bed. I thought that may be a little unfair. We'll save that for later. And the newspaper's full of idiots today. We've got Bieber in one, the front page of The Independent. £27,000 bill for a row over a train ticket. A dispute over an MP's £24 train ticket has left the taxpayer with a £27,000 legal bill. Jim McGovern, he's Labour. Remember his name, Jim McGovern. He's an idiot. He left the public with a hefty bill after becoming the first MP to take a dispute with the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority to a tribunal. Basically, he bought a train ticket for 24 quid. he then broke the journey up and got a flight for 250 Okay, He was told he had to pay for it. He went, no, 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 no. I'm not paying for this. I'm going to claim this on expenses. The authority said, OK, I tell you what, you can have the £250 plane ticket, you've got to spend the £24 rail ticket out of your own money. No, 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 says Jim McGovern. No, no, I'm not spending. No, 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 £24, no. I demand to have that paid for. Well, he took it to court in a tribunal. Uh, the I- IPSA has now revealed that defending the case cost them £27,000. £27,000. A spokesman said, we would rather this hadn't gone to a tribunal, but Mr McGovern made the decision to take it there. We believe the finding upholds the integrity. Basically, the upholding was, uh, no, you're paying the 24 quid, you muppet. It's cost you and me £27,000. Mr. McGovern blamed the high cost of the tribunal on the IPSA for digging its heels in over his train fare, and dismissed the suggestion he should reimburse taxpayers as ridiculous. Oh, it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. Yes, Mr. McGovern's legal co- legal costs were covered by the GMB union, but he said he did not know what his own legal costs had come to. To be honest, I doubt very much if I could afford it. I imagine it would be expensive. I don't use any public money for representation. Twenty-seven thousand pounds. I'm in a bit of a mood today, can you tell? I've got a little cob on this morning, and it's... uh, I'm sure there are more edits in the newspaper. We shall find them later on. Now, the government's cap on benefits starts in four London boroughs today before being rolled out across England, Wales and Scotland over the summer. 40,000 households will see their benefits cut as part of the drive to reduce public spending. Well, Catherine
16: Stancheshen is following this. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Explain how the benefit cap works. Well, this is the biggest change in a generation, really. It's all part of this major shakeup of the welfare system that the government's carrying out. Basically, it will put a limit on the weekly amount you can receive if you're claiming benefits. It will be £500 a week for couples and single parents and £350 a week for people who are living on their own. What counts towards that? Well, most things, really. So we're talking job seekers' allowance, income support, child benefit and housing benefit as well. That will all be lumped together in this single some. There are some exemptions, though. For instance, if you receive benefits for having a disability, if you receive a war pension, and most importantly, if you receive working tax credits. That's crucial, because the government says it's all about making our society more fair, this system, so that people can't earn more from claiming benefits than they could from getting a job.
3: And this isn't going to affect everyone right away, is it?
16: No, that's right. Today marks the start of a trial of this brand new system in four London boroughs, Haringey, Enfield, Croydon and Bromley. It will be rolled out across the rest of the summer, uh, rest of the country though over the summer and everyone will be set up by September. It's thought from today around 40,000 London households will be affected seeing a, an average cut of around £90 a month. Unsurprisingly there are some who are, are really quite angry about that. There's already been a case at the High Court uh, earlier this year where a single mother in Haringey took the local authority to court over this benefit cap saying the system just hadn't been consulted on properly. She lost that case and there's no doubt that this is going ahead but critics say it's penalising people who can ill afford it. And
3: the government's claiming that just the threat
16: of this change has already got more people back into work. That's right. Ministers say the reason they've exempted people who claim working tax credits is because the whole point of this exercise is to get people out of their homes and back into jobs and they say the threat, just the threat of this benefit cap has already spurred around 8,000 claimants who would have lost out to go out and Find jobs. The government must believe it's going to work as well. It's even spending money to save money, as it were. This rollout's costing around £2 million. And they say the best response, if you're having your benefits cut, is to go out and find work. The job centre's been writing to people affected for the last year to tell them what's going to happen and to advise them on how to move forward. The problem there, of course, especially according to Labour, is there just aren't enough jobs to go around. They argue that a much better way forward would be to try and offer guaranteed jobs to the long-term unemployed. Catherine,
3: thank you very much indeed. Makes sense. Go out and get a job. Hang on a second. Where am I supposed to go and get that job again? Here's a song. It's a little bit miserable. No, I know, but it's beautiful. Beautiful, not miserable. Yes, here's a beautiful song. Glenn Campbell.
17: By the time... He just didn't know I would really go.
3: Gotta love Glenn Campbell. You have to love Glenn Campbell. There's no other option. Do you do the same job as your parents, or do your kids do the same job as you? I bet this morning that we will not be able to find one family where the children, and when I say children, you know, you could be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, have carried on, 50s, the same job, 60s, have carried on the same job as their parents. It just doesn't happen these days, does it? I mean, I kind of, my dad sort of worked in TV and I sort of worked in TV a bit, but it's not really the same job. 08459 455 555. Can you prove me wrong? Can we find anybody this morning whose kids have got the same job as you? I bet we can't. 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now.
8: Here's Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: Thank you, In. Good morning. Things looking reasonably good on the roads at present. It's rather clear out there on the major routes. No delays on the M1 or the A1M yet. ...despite the fact that a lot of people are back to school and back to work through this morning. I would expect it to get a little bit busy as we progress through the morning, though. Now, if you're heading for the M25, roadworks section at the minute's looking okay. Junction 23 through to 25, the A1M to the A10, where they've got the narrow lanes... ...and the 50-mile-an-hour speed restriction. The A5 at the Little Chef roundabout, still doing roadworks to add traffic lights there can get busy at times. Right now the A5's looking slowest as you approach the A505 in Dunstable, mainly on the southbound side. And on the trains, disruption to the south of London for First Capital Connect could have some knock-on delays this morning for your journey if you're travelling with them. They're affected between East Croydon and St Pancras because of a derailment at Norwood Junction. Looking at the departure boards, we've had one cancellation coming up from the south through London toward Bedford. Unfortunately, 659 which would have been going through Luton on to Bedford has been cancelled. Adam Glynn, BBC BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Adam. 6:30. Let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine.
8: Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Good morning, the headlines. Four men who discussed blowing up the Territorial Army Centre in Luton are due in court later. Thames Valley Police have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Milton Keynes yesterday. And a limit on the amount that any household can receive in benefits each week comes into force today in four London boroughs. It's set to be rolled out across England, Wales and Scotland in due course.
8: (laughs) Harts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Adam Scott's become the first Australian winner of golf's Masters tournament in Augusta. He beat Angel Cabrera in a sudden death playoff after both men finished on nine under par. They couldn't be separated at the first playoff hole, but then Scott holed from 15 feet at the 10th green to take the first major of his career. Here's what he had to say shortly before picking up that famous green jacket.
2: It fell my way today. There was some luck there somewhere. I don't know how to digest it all at the moment, but it was. Incredible. It's incredible to be in this position. I'm honoured.
0: In rugby, Saracen secured a home semi-final in the Premiership playoffs by beating Worcester yesterday. David Strettle scored a first-half hat-trick as Sarri's won by 47 points to 17. Carlos Nieto, Chris Ashton and Jackson Ray scored the other tries. In Formula One, Ferrari's Fernando Alonso won the Chinese Grand Prix in Shanghai. Kimi Räikkönen was second for Lotus with Mercedes' Lewis Hamilton third. The reigning world champion Sebastian Vettel, who nearly caught Hamilton on the final lap, came home fourth with Jensen. Button fifth for McLaren. Watford manager Gianfranco Zola isn't giving up hope on automatic promotion from the Championship despite defeat on Saturday at Peterborough. The Hornets lost 3-2, leaving them six points from a top-two position with four games remaining. Zola's hoping to pick up more wins in their remaining games and see what happens.
17: Yeah, yeah, that's what we're t- going to try to do until the end. We, we don't give up, we, we, we carry on and we do our best.
0: Milton Keynes-Dons playoffs hopes were dented as they lost 2-0 at Leighton Orient in League 1. The result leaves the Dons four points off the playoffs with three games to go. And that's the latest news and sports. More from me at 7 o'clock.
4: Across beds, hearts and barks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning!
3: Coming up in the next half an hour. How would you cope if you were diagnosed with a life-changing condition like Parkinson's disease? Well, we'll hear the story of a Hertfordshire man who was told he had Parkinson's in his 20s. And if you fly with Luton-based EasyJet, you'll notice big changes in a couple of weeks. They're scrapping their traditional check-in desks. Is it a good idea? Because in theory, it'll speed things up. Or is it the airline just trying to save a few quid? We've sent our flight correspondent, Justin Dealey, to the airport. We'll speak to him in about 20 minutes' time. Oh, for. 459 455 555. Now, how would you cope? if you are diagnosed with a life-changing condition like Parkinson's disease. Well, it's Parkinson's Awareness Week, and every hour someone in the UK is told they have the condition. One in 20 of these people are under 40 years of age, including Neil Crittenden from Hertfordshire. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, went to speak to the 33-year-old at his home in Royston. Uh,
1: probably the first indication I had that something was wrong was um, when I was 22, I was sitting in Clark um, class, and um, I used to study... Um, I went to Harlow to study journalism and um, and I I was sitting in class and I was fiddling with a paperclip. And um, when I tried to manipulate it, um, my left thumb started shaking Um, whenever whenever I put pressure against it. And over the years, that manifested itself into um, a tremor down the left-hand side of my body. So it was quite a gradual thing. It was, yes, and it took probably about five years before... um, it took five years, five years before I was referred to um, a neurologist.
19: Because it is quite unusual at that age to get Parkinson's, is, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I think Michael, Michael J. Fox was twenty-seven when 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 he was diagnosed as well. So, how
19: has it impacted on your life? How do people view you? I mean, how 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 is life? Um, life's great at the moment. Um, I'm married. Well, can we'll see you're married. Yeah. You've got a little three-month-old. Yeah. baby boy called Dexter, who's
1: very happy. Yeah. I think the key is there's nothing that I could do ten years ago that I can't do now. If somebody perhaps makes a, makes a comment to you in the street, then, yeah, symptoms can flare up again. Mm. Do people look at you in a funny way? Or? Yes, yes, um, at times, at, at times, yeah. Often some people ask me about it, and um, just, just sort of like, strangers sh- strangers in shops and um, taxi drivers and um i'm more than happy to sort of speak about it because i think i really think education is the key and and we've got to get rid of this sort of notion that parkinson's is traditionally an old person's condition because mm-hmm. it isn't i mean people um people and um, mm-hmm. As young as 18 you've got it. So there, there isn't really any area of your life that
19: is 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 impacted. I mean, can you can no. you cook yourself your meal safely, or, I, or I
1: mean, um, I can. Um, in 2000, 2011, I had deep brain stimulation, which involves um, um electrodes implanted into your brain, and um, I've I've got a pacemaker wide. I've got pacemakers. A pacemaker just to, to your to, chest yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and that fires an electrical signals into my brain which helps um, which helps dampen down the symptoms quite a lot, and that 's been terrific, that has helped me um immensely I honestly don 't think i'd i 'd still be able to work full time mm. if it wasn 't for that, so it 's a combination of medication and surgery which has helped me to just live each day as it comes and enjoy it, trying not, try not to worry about. What might happen, just
3: live a normal life. Well, that's Tony Fisher speaking to Parkinson's sufferer Neil Crittenden. Dr Peter Lovett is a reader in psychology and principal lecturer at Hartford University. Joins me in the studio now. Good morning. Good morning. uh, Peter, you work with people who've got Parkinson's disease.
15: What have you studied? What have have you found out? Well, we have a team at the University of Hertfordshire looking at the relationship between things like movement and Parkinson's disease. Mm. We're, We're trying to understand... What it is about Parkinson's disease and how can we help those symptoms? We run studies into the relationship between dance and movement and Parkinson's disease. Now, we know that there are two sets of symptoms for people with Parkinson's. Mm. There's a physical aspect. So, we we know that people have a tremor, they have rigidity of movement, and they have slow movement. But there's also a psychological element to it. People could feel very tired, they could feel increased pain, and they can have higher levels of depression than everybody else. Mm. What we found is that when people engage in dance, different types of dance, social dance activities, it can lead to faster movements. We know that they can incre- increase their feelings of vigor and it can improve their mood as well. And we're trying to understand why does that happen? Why do we get the improvement? Can it improve the control of their tremor
3: at all? It seems odd that there's a connection between something, you know, physical activity like dance,
15: and a condition that affects you know that makes you shake. Well, of course, we know that Parkinson's is a a neurodegenerative disorder, so it comes from the brain, Mm. an aspect of the brain that isn't working. A reduction in dopamine is 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 happening, and this this leads to these physical symptoms. Now, we know that when we move, then there are certain motor areas in the brain that become active when we're moving. So it's not just a case that our brain is active and therefore we move or don't move, Mm. but when we enforce movement. Particularly when we get people moving on a particular rhythm, Mm. on a particular timing, then we know there might well be changes in the brain. And what we're trying to understand is does that help people with parkinson's or is it simply the case that when people are moving it's just a physical thing mm. and maybe their muscles become easier to move or is it a psychological thing such that they feel they get some enjoyment they're happy in a group and so therefore they relax a little bit more and therefore some of their symptoms might be managed more carefully is is part of the problem with the symptoms
3: um the, the fact that i would imagine if i was sat, my, my mom's not no, got Parkinson's, she's got ms she's got the tremor and i'm aware of the tremor mm. i would imagine that if i had a tremor i would be I would be aware of it all the time.
15: Is part of the thing that you're dancing to your mind is kind of elsewhere? Well, one of the things with dancing which is wonderful is that social element. Mm. We get people all coming together to dance together. Now, in our studies, we tend to have mixed groups of people. So we have some people with Parkinson's and some people without Parkinson's all Mm. dancing together. They enjoy themselves, and there might be that thing then of not focusing on their symptoms. There are, of course, stories of people coming to dance classes and then leaving and forgetting their walking sticks when they go because they've been enjoying themselves. And there are other elements where, where people have been chatting and some people in the group not knowing who has Parkinson's disease and who doesn't have mm. Parkinson's disease. Um, so it's a very kind of um, enjoyable experience, or it can be a very enjoyable experience, and, and can bring people together, yeah. It's Parkinson's Awareness Week. Are people
3: aware of Parkinson's? I, I, I would imagine there is a slight... There's a slight fear. We're afraid of things that are different, aren't we? And people with Parkinson's, they talk funny and they move funny. You know, it's that
15: kind of perception. And and people can be afraid of that, can't they? People can be afraid of that, yeah. I mean, And some of the more extreme um, symptoms of Parkinson's disease might might mean that you have quite erratic movements, um, which some people find uncomfortable Mm. to to, to watch and and to look at. But the thing about Parkinson's Awareness Week is that what people don't know is that there's currently no cure for Parkinson's disease. And what we have to do is a load more research to try and find a cure or try and find a way of managing those symptoms. There are, there, there are some treatments. There, there are drugs,
3: obviously, and we, we heard the, the gentleman there talking about the, the electric stimulation in the brain. They're not
15: cures. They're just kind of, th- th- they help for a while, do they? Yeah, they manage the symptoms at the moment. What we don't know is we, we don't know how to prevent Parkinson's disease from coming on. Once people have Parkinson's disease, we don't know how to cure it. And what we're also trying to understand is how do we manage those symptoms on an ongoing basis? How do we improve the quality of of life for people with Parkinson's disease and their carers. Uh, uh, We heard the mention of uh, Michael J.
3: Fox, who's probably the most famous young sufferer with Parkinson's. Uh, Mm. And I know he's done loads of work into, into research and stuff, but how useful has he been uh,
15: advert's the wrong word, but you, you know what I mean? You're making people aware of, of Parkinson's. Well, really important, actually, because people know, who, know him, and they know him as a young man, and so it really helps to get awareness of, of the condition out there. Mm. So he's a real magnet for that. He's, he's fantastic in that regard. It's mm. very sad that he's got Parkinson's disease, but it, it's, it's great for Parkinson's UK that he's got it.
3: And, and if anyone wants to crack him read, his book Lucky Man, it's one of the best kind of celebrity autobiographies. It's just a brilliant read, isn't it? It's a yeah. cracking book. So where do, you, where do you hope to take this?
15: Doctor what's, what's kind of Your long term plan With this research We want to understand You know What type of dancer movement Is good for people With Parkinson's How long does the disease last How long does the, the, the Improvement last for And who is it ideal for And what we really want Is loads more people To come to our Dance psychology lab And take part In <laughs> these dance studies. It does sound
3: like a funky club Yeah the dance psychology <laughs> lab Come down guys <laughs> How can they get in touch If people are interested If they've, if they've got it Or they know someone
15: Who's got it And want to come And take part What can they do They can email us At dance At hearts dot ac UK. Give that one more time. Dance at hearts.ac.uk. And for a gentleman that's just got a, a, a new baby, you're looking very sprightly at, uh, at half past six <laughs> in the morning. <laughs>
3: Thank you very much for coming in. Fascinating it's stuff. Good. Lovely to talk to you. That's Dr. Yeah. Uh, Peter Lovett, uh, reader in psychology, principal lecturer at Hartford University. 08459 455555.
20: <laughs>
7: ¡Suscríbete
3: that they're Beatles. Right, travel news now, Adam Glynn.
8: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: Disruption on the trains already this morning, I'm afraid. We start with Greater Anglia, who are running with delays of up to 15 minutes between Liverpool Street and Cambridge and Hartford East because of a broken down train earlier this morning at Tottenham Hale. That train has now been moved Delays are likely though until about a quarter past seven. It will be affecting the Stansted Express as well. First Capital Connect, they have big problems just to the south of London, so disrupted at present between East Croydon and St. Pancras International. A derailment at Norwood Junction means delays of up to half an hour are to be expected through until one this afternoon. And looking at the departure boards, it has had a little bit of a knock-on effect already this morning to trains running through London and coming up toward Bedford and Luton. On the roads, quite Quite a quiet start, things moving well on the major routes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam.
3: Right, 6.45. It's Monday the 15th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four men who discussed blowing up the territorial army centre in Luton are due in court later. Thames Valley Police have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Milton Keynes yesterday. And in sport, Adam Scott has become the first Australian winner of Golf's Masters Tournament in Augusta. Coming up, we'll be talking about how EasyJet are set to scrap all their traditional airport check-in desks in favour of online-only check-ins. What do you think, good idea? Or is it uh, just them trying to save even more pennies? 08459 455555. And let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini.
11: Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather.
21: BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Well, today won't be quite as warm as it was yesterday. We saw a cold front go through overnight, but on the other hand, a nice day. For most of us. We're just going to lose perhaps uh, four or five degrees in most cases. Um, we'll see some spells of sunshine develop through the course of the morning. It is a bit of a cloudy but a mild start, but that cloud thinning and breaking through the morning, so some decent spells of sunshine around into the afternoon as well. The winds are a touch lighter than they were yesterday, and I think in the sunshine, we'll get up nicely to 15 or even 16 degrees Celsius, 61 in Fahrenheit, in Hitchin, in Milton Keynes, in Buckingham, and in Aylesbury as well. So, all in all, it is going to be a pretty nice day. What you might want to watch out for into the afternoon though is one or two showers springing up here and there. They they could occur well just about anywhere across the, across the three counties so um, something to bear in mind. You might be unlucky and catch a shower but I think most places are going to stay dry. Now for this evening's rush hour again the likelihood of those showers continuing is quite high and um, they will gradually fade overnight though and uh, we'll see quite a cloudy night. The clouds are going to start to thicken overnight. It will be mild though temperatures down to eight or nine degrees and then into tomorrow outbreaks of light rain into tomorrow tomorrow morning the wind's picking up again uh, this is another front just tracking in from the west don't be too disheartened though it will brighten up nicely in the afternoon temperatures once more to 50, 14 or 15 degrees celsius and generally looking quite unsettled with rain at times on wednesday and thursday but some brightness as well it is going to settle down as we head towards the end of the week so looking dry and fine too for next weekend yippee that's the forecast
18: thank you
11: Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories.
22: We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday
11: we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do
23: some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops.
11: (laughs) Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties
4: Radio. to find a happy...
24: I'm to find a happy... i to find a happy place. 7,000 eyes watching, marching home and no one's touching army of the city workers. Lawyers broke us Heading for a London station Think for a quick salvation Oblivious to cherry cola Trying to sell to every stranger Stuck here it's cold I'm standing Hoping for some understanding Only way to go is inside Red center, let the fire rise and enter tap into the prime. Puts me in zone of avoidance Could my mind be moving faster Pulling like a supercluster? Can be hard to trust a feeling But believing ends in seeing
3: There's an excellent version of that, remixed by Sparks. I thoroughly recommend you dig it out. four double five five double five. if you fly with Luton-based EasyJet, you'll notice some changes in the near future. The airline is scrapping all of its traditional airport check-in desks with those oh-so-helpful staff are always keen to help you and smile and are just a joy to be around. It's going to happen at the end of this month and they will adopt uh, uh, online-only check-ins. Like its rival, Ryanair, you'll be expected to print up boarding passes and even luggage labels online, meaning you won't have to interact with any staff during check-in. Well, our checking
10: correspondent, Justin Dealey, has been at the airport this morning. Justin. Ian, good morning. Do you know what? Call me old-fashioned, but I love the feel of a real ticket, something you can touch, something you can hold. Are you, you are with a, me?
3: Ve- you're a very tactile man, aren't mm, you? I am indeed. You like holding things in your hand. <laughs> yes, I do. And sometimes I think it's inappropriate. But, <laughs> really? no, I know what you mean. I, 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 I was saying earlier that I, uh, the last time I flew to uh, New York, I had the ticket on my phone, mm. and it felt so uncomfortable. I was worried the phone was going to die. The, the lady behind the counter... To it, oh, I've never seen this before. I'm not sure what to do. It's bizarre. I like talking to a woman, even if it's a a grumpy woman with too much eye makeup on. Yes. I want to talk to them
10: (laughs) with the eye makeup. Very good point there. I'm at Luton Airport this morning. Um, Not much opposition to this idea so far. I've been speaking to passengers in the last 20 minutes or so, and this is what they have had to say. Now, I mean, on the whole, you think this is quite a good idea, but your concern would be for elderly passengers. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, I just think it might be unfair on elderly passengers who may not have internet access, or
25: may not have access to a printer, um, or may not, may not be familiar even with the internet. And I uh, think it's going to make travelling for them a bit more difficult, maybe be more stressful, etc. So.
10: so what about yourself? It would have no impact on you at all? No, you, you're fully sure. online? No, no. no problem?
25: No, not particularly. No, just depends whether they have a an airport surcharge for for checking in at the
10: airport. Wendy, this new idea is it a step in the right direction or is it slightly unfair? What's your thoughts on that?
26: Well, it's probably slightly unfair to people that are not online, are not computer savvy, and don't have printers and things. That would be unfair for them. But the majority, it. Uh, probably is a good thing for the majority of people.
10: Would that majority include you? Do you think it's a good yes. idea personally? Yes. And why do you think it's a good idea?
26: Well, because um, it's so much faster. So you get better service if you have everything, your boarding pass and everything with you. It's much faster to get on the plane than. Well,
10: just lastly, I've got to ask you your accent. You're here in Luton this morning. Where have you travelled from to be here? Where are you from in the States?
26: I'm from Santa Barbara, California. And what's the weather like out there it's at the moment? lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's always lovely. <laughs>
10: as you look out the window here in Luson, it's rather grey. Wendy, great to talk to you. Thank you so much.
26: Santa Barbara, California. Oh. Wouldn't that be
10: lovely <laughs> right now, JD? Uh, yeah, she's sitting here in Luson looking at the grey skies. Uh, fantastic accent. But as you heard, they're in not much opposition so far. People saying to me, with a low-cost airline, you do expect that. I think the bigger question for me this morning, these low-cost airlines, are they really low-cost anymore? If you're booking three or four months in advance, that's fine. But but if you're booking uh, a few weeks, maybe a month ahead, they're not really low cost anymore, are they? i i not. I I think I agree with you there, Justin. They're not that
3: much. And also, are we going to save any money by them getting rid of the staff? I don't think so. Will my ticket be cheaper? Well, Bob Atkinson is a travel expert at Travel Supermarket. Morning, Bob. Good morning to well, you. Will my
27: ticket be any cheaper if they get rid of these staff? Well, yes, I think it will be. Justin the, t- mentioned there about he likes to touch his ticket, touch his boarding cards. Deary me. Get rid of these <laughs> tickets and actually get rid of uh, everything to do with things like paper boarding cards, because the future is actually taking all this mobile. And the key thing that EasyJet is doing here is, um, it's removing all, uh, check-in at the airport, it's encouraging passengers to check-in at home, print their boarding passes, because all of that is about reducing cost. Ryanair's already done it, and that is why Ryanair and now EasyJet are trying their best to keep those costs down, and they pass those costs down by lower average fares to consumers. There's no doubt about it. It takes cost out, keeps fare t- prices down for um, uh, uh, people travelling.
3: Bob, listen, it's easy for you and me. We- we're young, we're computer savvy we're hip and we are with it, but there are, will be some people listening, Blimey. well I know, I'm, I'm ma- being a little generous <laughs> to both of us, but there will be some people listening who, who don't have the internet, who don't have printers, who can't do this,
27: how will they cope? Well there will be but let's let's just remember here, Ryanair and EasyJet take something like 99% plus of all their bookings online, so the bookings are actually made online to start with, so you've had to have had access in one form or another, but yes, you're quite right, there are people out there who don't have necessarily the access to the internet to make a book. Booking and then obviously maybe don't even have access to the internet. Then to be able to things like print boarding cards, but there are options there. You can use libraries. You can go uh, and visit local businesses who who will help you to do that. But let's face it, the vast bulk of people are already booking all this thing online anyway, and and so they're not going to be resistant to this change. After all, Ryanair have been operating this way now for well over a year and a half, and is working perfectly fine for most customers.
3: What will happen, Bob? If six months time I turn up, I've not printed off um, my ticket because I didn't know about it. I'd missed all of this hype. Will I be allowed to travel? Will I have to pay a fine? How, how will that work?
27: Well, I understand from EasyJet, you won't have to pay a fine. They're going to phase this in, and if you uh, do turn up without your boarding card uh, with EasyJet, they w- or you haven't checked in, they will sort you through that process at the airport. So they haven't indicated they are going to bring in a charge. Now, Ryanair, it's big competitor at Luton, they already do have that charge. And yeah, of if you course. fail to check in online or print your boarding card there, you will find an eye-watering fine of upwards of 60-odd quid to reprint it. Flipping heck, per really? Per person. Oh, um, dear. But they're not the only ones. Uh, an airline, they don't operate out of uh, uh, of, e- uh, of Luton, but uh, some travellers within your catchment area may be aware an airline called Jet2, who are very big mm. in the North and Midlands. They also have a fine. They're the only other ones out of the UK. But, of course, there are alternatives. You know, if, if you don't want to go down this road, the likes of the big carriers out there, the BAs, etc., uh, you know, they still offer things like proper check-in, as we would uh, like to maybe like to think of it, where you can go and engage uh, uh, with the staff, whether or not they're over heavily made up, <laughs> if you're a made there or not. Uh, but, you know, th- it, it, this is about uh, about keeping costs down and getting you through the airport faster. I know what I would rather have, lower fares, and I'd rather be able to get through the airport faster by not having to queue up at a desk and be able to go straight to security.
3: Bob Atkinson uh, from Travel Supermarket, thank you very much indeed. All this talk of airlines and flights and stuff, it's making me desperately want to go away on holiday. I've got nothing booked this year, so far we'll we'll sort that out this week I think right let's get the travel news now here's Adam
8: Beds Hearts and Bucks Travel BBC Three Counties Radio
18: things still looking pretty good at the minute the M1 may be a little bit busy as you're getting down toward London Uh, from just after Luton through toward Hemel Hempstead is where the M1's looking slowest at the minute then if you're joining the M25 expect that to be quite slow anti-clockwise is very slow between the M1 and the A41 junction 21 and 20 then further around from Maple Cross to the M40 is looking busy as well on the trains Greater Anglia still delays of up to 15 minutes possible Liverpool Street through to Cambridge and Hertford East because of a broken down train earlier this morning at Tottenham Hale it's been moved but the delay is still likely for another 15-20 minutes or so and First Capital Connect, affected by disruption to the south of London a derailment at Norwood Junction means there could be delays to their services delays of up to half an hour through until two this afternoon Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Adam Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio Lots coming
3: up, including more on Parkinson's Awareness Week after the news and sport with Catherine
8: Boyle Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio
0: morning It's seven o'clock. The headlines four face jail over Luton terror plans. Investigation launched after Milton Keynes' house fire and the first wave of benefit caps launches in London. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four Luton men face prison after pleading guilty to discussing plans for a terrorist attack using homemade bombs. The gang downloaded instructions on how to make an explosive device and collected funds for terrorist activity. Sentencing will begin at Woolwich Crown Court later. Zafar Khan from the Luton Council of Faith says it's extremism is a challenge they're trying to tackle.
5: There are issues that uh, Luton and Luton community are aware of. Uh, communities are working together to ensure any extremism or politics of extremism is shunned and people are, particularly young people, are encouraged to, to, to distance them themselves.
0: Thames Valley Police have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Milton Keynes. Police and firefighters were called to an address in Two Mile Ash shortly before 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. While the blaze consumed most of the house and two vehicles outside, the seven occupants escaped unharmed. The new cap on benefits begins in four London boroughs today before being rolled out across England, Wales and Scotland over the summer. Our personal finance correspondent Simon Gompets has the details. I'm sorry, I can't bring you that report. I so will bring it next time. Network Rail says delays on passengers and goods services caused by thefts of electrical cable have halved. Ministers say decisive action by the rail industry involving the police and suppliers has substantially reduced the delays compared with the time lost in 2011. Today marks the start of Parkinson's Awareness Week across Britain. According to the charity Parkinson's UK, every hour someone across the country is told they have the condition. One in 20 of these people, like Neil Crittenden from Hertfordshire are under 40 years of age.
1: I really think education is the key and, and we've got to get rid of this sort of notion that Parkinson's is traditionally an old person's condition because it isn't. I mean, People as young as 18 have got it.
0: In sport the Australian golfer Adam Scott is the US Masters champion after a playoff victory over former champion Angel Cabrera. Scott's victory came with a birdie on the second hole of their playoff at the Augusta National after both had finished on 9 under par. The weather sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 17 degrees Celsius that's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk/3counties. BBC 3 Counties Radio. First for news.
3: I think that Tiger Woods needs, because he used to be brilliant, didn't he, at at golf, Mm. when he was, um, you know, and I think he (laughs) needs to start that again, doesn't he? He's got
0: a very lovely girlfriend.
3: Well, he had a very very lovely wife, but he had about 15 different girlfriends. I just think, (laughs) listen, if he wants to be the best uh, golf player in the world, he needs to start... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> getting a hole in one. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, but now everyone knows what it's like, what you're saying. Women need to take one for the team?
3: Something like that. <laughs> Something like that, yes. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Lots coming up in the next hour of the show, as always. We'd like to get your input. The phone number and the Facebook page will come very shortly. We've got some light-hearted stuff and some slightly more serious stuff, including a group of men who discussed blowing up the territorial army centre in Luton are appearing in court today. We look at whether there's a problem with extremism among young people in the town. Half of people diagnosed with Parkinson's face regular discrimination because people don't understand the effects of their condition. Well, I'll be joined by the chairman of Parkinson's uk in north hertfordshire to find out what he thinks need to be needs to be done about it and do you remember a couple of weeks ago we told you about the signs welcoming drivers to milton keynes which have been placed 13 miles away from the new city center well guess what something's happened to the one of them i'll tell you what's happened before eight o'clock facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr you can text 81333 start your text 3CR or you can give me a call 08459 455
4: 555 BBC Three Counties Radio A group of men
3: who discussed blowing up the Territorial Army Centre in Luton are appearing in court today. All four, aged between 21 and 31, were arrested in a series of anti-terror raids in the town last April. They're due to be sentenced tomorrow. Tony Fisher has been following this and joins me in the
19: studio. Tony, these men were first arrested a year ago, weren't they? Uh, that's, that's right. Four men were arrested following a series of raids in April last year at their homes in Berry Park and Farley Hill. Uh, those raids were carried out uh, in the early hours by the Met Police. Uh, I remember going round to some of those addresses, there was a lot of activity outside the houses, a lot of forensic teams going in and out. Um, carrying various bits of equipment, computer equipment, that sort of thing. Uh, now, these men pleaded guilty last month uh, to discussing carrying out a terror attack in the UK using homemade bombs and, firemen's and firearms. They are 30-year-old Zahid Iqbal from Bishopsgate Road, 24-year-old Mohammed Shafraz Shah- Shah- Ahmed from Maidenhall Road, 23-year-old Umar Arshad from Crawley Road, and 21-year-old Syed Farhan Hussein, who's from Cornell Cro- Cornell Close in Farley Hill. What exactly are they accused of? Well, they've all pleaded guilty to engaging in conduct in preparation of terrorist attacks, contrary uh, to Section 5 of the Terrorism Act 2006. Uh, the offences took place between January 2011 and April last year. Um, now two of the men were secretly recorded by police discussing how a remote-controlled car carrying a bomb could be driven under the gates of the Territorial Army Centre in Leighgrave Road. Um, details of how to build the explosive device were found in a copy of the Al-Qaeda magazine in Inspire, uh, which they downloaded. It included the recipe, How to Make a Bomb in the Kitchen of Your Mum. Further charges of possessing documents, including the Al-Qaeda magazine Inspire, will be ordered to lie on file. The men were accused of raising £180,000 and planning to travel to Pakistan for terrorist purposes with encouraging and participating in physical training in Snowdonia which apparently resembles uh, the landscape of Pakistan, I'm told. Um, the men also have also been charged with possessing copies of a manual written by a radical American Muslim cleric of Yemeni descent. Uh, who was killed last year in a U.S. drone strike called 44 Ways to Support Jihad. Uh, Ahmed and Ashed were also said to have held a copy of 21 Techniques of Silent Killing, while the latter was claimed to have been in possession of the Al-Qaeda manual. Uh, Hussein was alleged to have the Book of Jihad and a copy of the Explosives Course too. What else do we know about them? Well, Woolwich Crown Court has heard that the uh, so-called ringleader was probably instructed by Al-Qaeda in Pakistan, while his second in command, uh, whose role was allegedly to recruit members of the cell and then send them abroad for training, travelled to Pakistan in March last year to take part in terrorist activity. A third man was said to be the quartermaster who collected supplies and finance. Uh, Woodwich Crown Court was also told that £180,000 had passed through his account in two years and police found ten gold bars, each the size of an after-eight mint, with a total worth £10,000 along with a credit card skimming machine to copy pin numbers and an encrypted USB computer stick. Uh, the fourth member of the group was said to have offered practical advice on how to prepare for travelling to Pakistan, what to wear, how to fit in. He allegedly had an ID card that allowed him to travel around the country without a visa.
3: And it's believed that one of them attended the Islamic Centre in Berry Park, which is also, I think, where the Stockholm bomber prayed.
19: That's right. 20-year-old, 28-year-old Timur Abdul Wahab al-Abdali, who lived in Luton and listed himself on a Muslim dating website, Muslima as a physical therapy graduate from the University of Bedfordshire, detonated two explosives in Sweden in December 2010. A lot of you might remember that. Uh, The chief prosecutor in Sweden at the time had told a news conference uh, the bomb had probably intended to cause an explosion at the main railway station uh, or a city department store. Uh, He had three sets of bombs. Uh, He quoted the chief prosecutor. I don't think his intention was to blow himself up only. He said it was a failure luckily. uh, He was apparently bent on what he saw as revenge for a Swedish cartoon insulting the Prophet Muhammad and for the presence of Swedish troops in Afghanistan. I was in Sweden
3: when That happened. You were? I was, yes, I was there. I was there. We walked past it the next day. Yes, incredible.
19: Scary scenes, scary scenes. Um, The chairman of the Islamic Centre, a Luton examiner, Abdul Qadir Baksh, who hopefully we'll talk to on this programme later this week, said at the time uh, we felt very uncomfortable, we could not categorise him as a terrorist, we couldn't categorise him as somebody who was harmful, because initially when we looked at what he was saying it could just have been his political views, so we had to challenge his political views and hope to bring him back to the right path. Now it's thought that Zahid Iqbal from Bishopsgate Road, uh, one of the four accused in this case uh, from Luton had also attended the Luton Islamic Centre today. He and the three other men from Luton charged with terrorism offences will appear at Willich Crown Court where the case will be outlined ahead of sentencing tomorrow.
3: Tony Fisher, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455555
4: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, O eight Four Five Nine, Four Double Five, Five Double Five. Should we have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers, yes, why not? Why not? The Independent. <clears throat> Teachers speak out against Gove's lists of fact curriculum. More than 2,000 teachers have put their names to a petition condemning Michael Gove's proposed national curriculum curriculum reforms. What's he he up for? what's, What's he offering? Let's have a look. The unprecedented grassroots revolt by teachers comes after 100 leading academics signed a letter to the Independent savaging the new curriculum's obsession with lists of facts... Well, where are these lists of facts? I want to see what kind of things we're supposed to be learning. Um, oh dear, looking, we can't find it. It'll be in there somewhere. Uh, and Andrew Mars on the front page after his uh, his stroke. Also, the twenty seven thousand pound bill for route of a train ticket. That, the, Jim McGovern, ladies and gentlemen, twenty four pounds ticket. He's an he's an MP. Twenty four pounds ticket. He said he shouldn't pay for it. Took it to court. Cost us twenty-seven thousand pounds. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim McGovern. Thanks for that. You going to pay us that back? No, no, no. I'd have paid him the twenty-four quid. Idiot. What an idiot. The Daily Telegraph. Wealth tax to pay for EU bailouts. Wealthy households would face new taxes on property and other assets under German plans to prop up the struggling eurozone. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Um, Thatcher relied on facts, says scientist Archer. Baroness Thatcher's training as a chemist meant that she tackled politics... Oh, I'm a bit bored of Thatcher now. Anyone a bit bored of Thatcher? Little bit. I mean, the funeral's happening, when is it, Wednesday? It's rumoured that they're not saying how much it's costing the funeral until after the funeral, because they know it, 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 it might kick off a little bit on the day, but... They know that if they release the actual figure of how much it costs, it would definitely kick off on the day between seven and ten million pounds. That's what I'm I'm, I'm putting my money. I reckon eight million pounds for Thatcher's funeral. I reckon it's going to be about that. They're saying between seven and ten million pounds. Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a lot of money, isn't it? A lot of money. Wouldn't do it for your ground, would they? The Guardian. Damascus can no longer ignore the sound of war. It's hard to tell exactly where the noise is coming from, but impossible to miss it from anywhere in Damascus. All day and night you can hear the dull thud and boom of artillery. Oh, dear. Um, and go ahead for protests at Thatcher funeral. Here we go. P- protesters planning to demonstrate along the route of Lady Thatcher's funeral procession have been given the go ahead by police to turn their backs on the former Prime Minister's coffin as it makes its way through central London to St Paul's. Scotland Yard has repeatedly asked people planning demonstrations to let it know in advance, warning that anyone causing harassment, alarm, or distress could be arrested. But Rebecca Lush Blum. Yeah? Rebecca Lush Blum? Is that a name? from Hampshire, who set up a Facebook page calling on people to turn their back on the procession procession, said she had been reassured by the police a protest could go ahead near the Royal Courts of Justice. Well, that's alright as a protest. Isn't it turning your back on a procession? If that's all there is, then uh, d- d- no, one, no one could complain about that, could they? Really? Considering some of the things we've seen, with people having bonfires and dancing and um, letting off fireworks and stuff, people turning their backs on the procession it seems rather a civilised uh, uh, thing. The Times. BBC kept students in dark over Korea trip. The BBC withheld key information from students, placing them in danger during the making of an undercover documentary in North Korea. I do like a good um, undercover North Korea documentary. There was one a few years ago. There was, I do like it, because you don't see... There was one a few years ago. I, do you know what? Very about, well, well, I was working at another radio station, about, so it would have been about seven years ago. I looked into going to North Korea on a trip. You can go. You can go on on holiday to North Korea. You can book it, and it's obviously you have to be vetted and vetoed and all of this. You can go to North Korea. I would love to go to North Korea. Maybe not now when they're threatening a nuclear war. Maybe at a would lo- let be honest. I mean, I wouldn't take the kids. It's, I, I can't imagine they've got a centre parks there or anything. But be honest, you'd love to go and have a look around North Korea, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Oh, 08459 five, 555. Double, five, double, five. I'll put this out there. Ever been to North Korea? I don't expect it to be our most popular phone in, but you never know. Oh, 08459 five, 555. Daily Express, there's a picture of Carol Vorderman wearing a dress that's way too tight and far too much makeup for a lady of her age. And also, new blitz on benefit cheats. Worst offenders will use their payouts for up to three years. The Daily Mail, stay-at-home mums revolt. Mothers unite with Tory MPs to demand family-friendly tax policy. And Girl of Eleven, who sang about One Night Stand on Britain's Got Talent. Oh, goodness sakes. And uh, The Sun. There's a picture of Kelly Brooke in her bra and pants. And Millwall of shame. The Sun finds fans at the centre of Wembley FA Cup violence. Oh, they weren't Millwall fans, though. Well, hang on a second. Who were they then? Just randoms that turned up there by coincidence? 08459 oh, nine four double five, five, double, five 715. Here's the travel news now. Adam
8: Glynn. and Bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: Definitely starting to look busier on the roads this morning. You can tell everyone's heading back to school and back to work. The M1 southbound, it's slow from the Luton Airport Spur through to Junction 9 for the A5 at Redbourne. If you're using the A1 this morning, busy in a couple of places. First off at the Black Cat roundabout, where we've got the usual queuing traffic approaching the roundabout along the A1 and the A421. Then the A1M, well, it's looking all right at the minute, maybe a little bit busy as you go past Stevenage, but then as you get in toward London, very slow on the A1 in Boreham Wood. We've got queues between the Stirling Corner Junction and Mill Hill Circus. A10 into London is looking slow as well. Traffic building up between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. Meanwhile, the M25 continues to crawl anti-clockwise with slow traffic from the M1 to the A41, then from Maple Cross to the M40. On the trains, Greater Anglia still have delays possible up to 15 minutes, Liverpool Street through to Cambridge and Hartford East after a train broke down earlier this morning at Tottenham Hale and First Capital Connect could have issues because of a derailment to the south of London at Norwood Junction. It's causing a few delays to services running through London. Delays of up to half an hour expected until two this afternoon. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam.
11: Right, it's
3: 7.16. It's Monday the 15th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sentencing will begin later in the case of four men who admit discussing plans for a terrorist attack on Luton's territorial army barracks. Thames Valley Police have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Milton Keynes yesterday afternoon. And in sport, the Australian golfer Adam Scott is the US Masters champion after he beat former champion Angel Cabrera in a playoff at the Augusta National. I'm laughing because it's written there phonetically for me, and I think I still may have got that gentleman's name wrong. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks a rather cloudy start, but sunny intervals are expected to develop during the morning. Showers are also likely to developed by the afternoon. It'll be less warm but less uh, windy than yesterday. Maximum temperature is 17 degrees. I should just flag up that every time uh, I pronounce a sports person's name wrong, uh, I get a torrent of abuse from our reporter Tony Fisher. So I, I expect he's chuckling away to himself upstairs like the fool he is.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine.
14: The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol?
23: And the biggest opinions.
14: I think the tax
25: is completely unfair. It doesn't
23: matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children.
25: It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them paper
11: off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC
3: Three Counties Radio. Now, as we've been saying in the show, it's Parkinson's Awareness Week, and we've learnt this morning that every hour, someone in the UK is told they have the condition. Yet, despite this, new research suggests that almost half of the people diagnosed with the condition face regular discrimination. Well, Roddy Lee is the chairman of Parkinson's UK in North Hertfordshire, and Stevenage Branch. Morning, Roddy. Nice to meet you. Morning, Morning, What's that moment like when you receive the diagnosis?
9: For me, it was a feeling of relief because having experienced for several months before rigidity, slowness of movement, muscle cramps at night particularly, uh, lack of uh, bad sleep patterns, um, um, tremors, nervousness, I actually knew what I had. For my family, who had seen me rapidly develop these symptoms, it was quite quite shattering. Um, hereafter was a fifty-two-year-old, two grown-up daughters, or 50, twenty-five and twenty-three daughters, um, suddenly facing a, an incurable disease, treatable but been incurable, with an uncertain prognosis. Do you remember the first moment you thought, "Hang on a second, something's not quite right here"? I do. Yes, it's <coughs> when I found it very difficult to put my jacket on. My left arm wanted to do something completely different. My mm. right arm went in okay, and I could not put my jacket on by myself, lots of clicking as if it was almost like a dead shoulder. And I suddenly thought to myself, well I have got a problem, there is something here, it's not muscle. I used to be a great sportsman, it's, it's, it, it's not muscles, it's, not, uh, it's nothing like that, it is something unusual. And I went to see the doctor, and uh, she noticed a slight tremoring in my left hand in particular, and uh, my fingers went to sort of like a, like a claw almost. Mm. And she said, do you think you have Parkinson's disease? Now, my big mistake, and it was interesting to hear Neil Crittenden remark this morning on your, on your, your news, news uh, slot, my big mistake was thinking Parkinson's is for the older generation. And I was very, very quickly reminded it's not for the older generation. And already statistics were starting to show that it is uh, prevalent also amongst the young as well. And having been told what it, what, what it <coughs> was, I could then, when I say re- I was relieved, I could then actually plan what I was going to do about it to face the challenges going forward how long ago were you diagnosed back in 2007 i was 52 and uh, since then um it's been a, a constant uh, desire to do everything i can to make a difference to people with the, with the condition how
3: has it affected your life in those those uh, few years
9: my life um Funny enough, and I've, I've tried to make sure it hasn't affected it. I've ma- maintained a positive attitude. I've done everything I can to, to, to find ways of combating the various challenges. But, yes, there are effects. My, my voice pattern goes up and down. I get tired a lot more quickly than I used to. Uh, slowness of movement, uh, particularly difficulty, for example, packing supermarket bags and things like this. Um, nervousness in, in a crowd. Um, Why nervousness? I think it's a feeling of a lack of self-esteem when one was no longer um, able to confidently talk and, and, uh, and, and project one's voice because of a difference in voice patterns. Difficulty sometimes in smiling because the, 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 the face muscles sometimes did, did their own thing. Um, shuffling a little bit, uh, dragging one's left foot in my, in, in my case. And generally, um, people, I think, being... For perfectly obvious reasons, uh, sort of misunderstanding how, how I was, and sometimes looking at me and thinking, well, this guy looked perfectly all right, he, he, he looks very well. But on the other hand, he's showing all the symptoms of somebody with Parkinson's.
3: Uh, I'm assuming it's worse at, at different times of the day. It's affected maybe by weather or by tiredness. Because when you came in, I, I wouldn't have noticed that you had Parkinson's. You're sat down now, you're speaking perfectly. I can notice a slight tremor in your left arm. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. That's it. Does it.
9: Are there different times of the day when it's when it's better and when it's worse? Basically I'm wonderfully supported by a medical team who've, who've got my medication completely right. Um, most of the people who have Parkinson's are treated by medication. I'm on what they call a sort of 24-hour slow-release medication called Rapinarol and I can feel my own system changing when, it, when the, the, the new dosage of that 24-hour cuts in. Mm. Um, I find later in the evening when the, the Rapinarol starts to wear off is, is bad. There's obviously natural tiredness there as well. Cold weather does affect me, particularly my circulation. Um, my fingers and hands go very go blue or very very purple um, Sunshine I love. They, I, I, I do tend to burn a bit, but that's, that's just a, my fair complexion. Um, but, uh, no, really it's, it's primarily when I come to that point in the drugs where it, when it cuts across from, from not quite so strong to, 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 to too strong and, and vice versa.
3: Now, it's, it's, it's Awareness Week of Parkinson's. Uh, are people particularly aware of the disease? As, as you say, it, it's often perceived as a, oh, it's a thing that 70-year-old men get. It, it's an old man's thing.
9: I think people are becoming more aware of it. Um, Parkinson's UK has been around for many, many years and do a fantastic job to promote the, uh, the 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 condition and and raise the profile and how we can how we can actually do what we can do about it. And this particular week, we're taking the opportunity of actually saying to reaching out to to, to uh, the, 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 the general public to say this is what Parkinson's is all about. These are the sort of problems that one lives with. Slowness of movement, uh, a sort of un, 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 ungainly gait, uh, lack of perhaps personal contact in terms of smiling, um, difficulty making oneself heard, etc. Um, but I think in general people are... Are not as aware as they might be. I was, I was in a supermarket the other day, for example, which I, I won't mention, and I was having trouble opening the supermarket bag and, and packing it up with a, just ordinary groceries. Mm. And I was having a bit of a tremor. The more, I, the more mess of it I made, the more concerned I got, and the more accentuated the, the tremor got. Somebody started tutting behind me. I, I turned around thinking, well, gosh, if packing the bag is, is bad, wait till, the, you, you wait till you see, see me go to, go to my purse and try to get the right change out. That's really. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> They tutted? A, they tutted behind me and I turned around and said, I, I do apologise, I've, I've actually got Parkinson's. Mm. And um, How we, did they respond to that? We had a bit of a, a, bit of a friendly chat actually. The yeah. moment you say to somebody you've got Parkinson's and you explain what it is, I, I find there's a completely different mindset. People are generally—they want to know, they want to talk a bit about, it, they want to understand. And having had a bit of a chat, um, he actually helped me to to load up the, the, the bag, which was rather nice.
3: Do, uh, does any any of you, anybody else you know who's got Parkinson's have, have they faced discrimination? You talked there about the tutting in a queue. I mean, that's—I I imagine that's a small thing. But any other examples of of, of discrimination?
9: I don't know of anybody personally uh, other than sort of minor instance like that. I have heard of stories of people who've almost been arrested because they've appeared to be drunk. Uh, really? They've been thrown out of shops and things because they appear to be drunk. Some people have been... Um, uh, in, in, in the starter because they haven't been smiling so simply because their, their their facial muscles don't actually allow them some people have been uh, Accused of taking advantage of disabled badges for example, because, because they, don't, they don't
3: look disabled they don't Yeah look
9: disabled they're yep. perfectly normal um, Some people keep on being being people keep on saying to me, but, but you look so well and My response is well, how am I meant to look? You know. I have something which which is under control and I do do my best to make sure that people feel comfortable around me. I think it's interesting that the the statistics that they recently Mm. brought out about the discrimination, Um, it's a contentious thing to say perhaps Ian, but I I believe that discrimination starts through lack of communication and through lack of understanding. And I think this week in particular where we're taking the opportunity of of, of telling people what the conditions are all about, what people might expect, how they can help become involved, that's going to do more than anything to break down this this, uh, this feeling of, of...
3: What things are happening this week to, to, to raise awareness?
9: Well, as far as we're concerned in, in our region, we're, we're, having a few, we're having a meeting of our branch this afternoon, and there will be other branches meeting, meeting as well. Uh, there is a major lecture being given at Cambridge, Cambridge University on Wednesday night with 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 some uh, people talking about the the, the 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 research, I heard very late last night that so details are coming through of two young girls who locally to myself are having a sort of coffee morning and uh, inviting people to come and share the warmth of their garden, to have a cup of coffee and a and, and, and cake and There will be people doing as much as they can like I am on on local radio local, local newspapers, spreading the word, raising the profile and encouraging people to, to either join Parkinson's UK or, or come along and uh, attend the meetings and learn a little bit more about the condition. Fairly,
3: what a lovely phrase, share the warmth of their garden. Yes, I'm, I'll have some of that. Well, just, just, just before we, we, we finish, how does, you're married, aren't you? I am, yes. How does your wife feel about this? How has um, it affected her? Because I'm just thinking the person that she loves the most in the world is, is with this condition that... Um, you know you don't know what's going to happen
9: you don't know what's around the corner how how does she cope i'm hugely lucky that the entire family are wonderfully supportive um my wife is she'll kill me for saying this she's a very practical very um positive person and she constantly tells me to use those limbs that i'm not using use it or lose it Mm. Uh, she was she was very, very uh, disappointed. Uh, not disappointed, strong. She, was, she was shattered when she first heard the news. But I think um, supported by her, I've been able to take a very positive approach. And my supported also by my daughters. Uh, my youngest daughter, Francesca, is running the London Marathon on mm. Sunday for, for Parkinson's, and that's a huge achievement for her. Um, and Caroline continues to support me in every single way she can. We've trekked together in... Uh, places like Nepal and Jordan. We've uh, done fundraising exercises together in, in Yorkshire and other parts of, of, of the country. If people, me.
3: if people want to find out about Parkinson's UK, wh- wh- how can they? If they want to have a look at the well, activities? go on go
9: onto the website yep. www.parkinsons.org.uk I'm glad
3: you remembered it. Not everyone <laughs> oh, does when uh, they come in. I say, what's the website? Um, uh, hang on a second.
9: Uh, I'm now panicking to find find the, um, the, uh, the, the helpline number. But there's also a helpline number where which people can phone up for general information and that is 08 808 800 0303. Brilliant. It's eight noughts and three. and if you can get that right, that's that's uh, that's. All it.
3: Roddy, I appreciate you coming in this morning. Thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you so much indeed. for the opportunity. It's a pleasure. I wait <laughs> 459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn.
8: Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: Thank you Ian, starting with a look at the trains and we've got disruption for First Capital Connect they are affected mainly to the south of London it's a derailment at Norwood Junction it's an engineering train that derailed its damaged part of the track so a reduced service in operation between Norwood Junction and London Bridge and St Pancras at present this means delays of up to half an hour to be expected until around 2 this afternoon and trains coming through London toward, Brighton, uh, toward Bedford indeed will be slowed down quite a bit I'm looking at uh, the departure boards from Luton right now we've got a couple of services due to arrive in into Luton and head on to Bedford which are running about 10-15 minutes late right now on the roads things are moving reasonably well starting to slow up on the M1 from the junction 11 at the Dunstable Road the A505 through to junction 9 at Redbourne The A1 is looking busy as you get in toward London. Boreham Woods, very busy. Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. And M25 traffic, it's building up anti-clockwise. Junction 21A to 20 at the A41. And anti-clockwise again from 19 at Watford through to 16 at the M40. That's very busy on the cameras now. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam? Yes, Ian? you You know the film
3: E.T.? I do I'm arguing with uh, someone who works on my, my show here Kelly Betts You know the the NASA men That came to get E.T. at the end Yes Were they trying to kill him oh now I can't remember it's been so long since I've seen it (laughs) I know (laughs) I'll tell you why very briefly my son watched Toy Story at the weekend he totally misunderstood it he thought there were two woodies and Kelly Betts yeah yeah, I know and Kelly Betts um, has messaged me saying that she misunderstood E.T. because she thought the NASA men were trying to kill him and I wrote back going well they were trying to
18: kill him weren't they I, th- I think they were trying to kill E.T. I think we need to investigate this. Surely not kill him. I think maybe they wanted to sort of examine him.
3: The, but, but that would have involved cutting him open, and that would probably... Ooh, maybe. Adam, thank you very much. We'll pursue this further. At the end of E.T., right, when the NASA men come to collect E.T., were they trying to kill him or save him? 08459 oh, five nine four double five, five, double five. Let's see if it makes the bulletin with Catherine Boyle. Getting
8: beds, hearts and bugs talking.
4: This is BBC Three Counties
0: Radio. Good morning, At 7.30. The headline sentencing will begin later in the case of four men who admit discussing plans for a terrorist attack on Luton's territorial army barracks. Thames Valley Police have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Milton Keynes on Saturday. And the new cap on benefits begins in four London boroughs today before being rolled out across England, Wales and Scotland over the summer. <laughs>
8: Heads, hearts, and Bucks Sports BBC Three Counties Radio The
0: Australian golfer Adam Scott is the US Masters champion after a playoff victory over former champion Angel Cabrera Scott's victory came with a birdie on the second hole of their playoff at the Augusta National after both had finished on nine going under to the par The
2: playoff was a special feeling I think you know going down the 10th fairway was almost deafening and the crowd wasn't close it was, it was a great feeling and again you know I felt like Uh, They were really, really pulling for me out there and, uh,
0: you know, that is a nice feeling. I'm Scott there. In rugby, Saracens secured a home semi-final in the Premiership playoffs by beating Worcester yesterday. David Strattle scored a first-half hat-trick as Sarries won by 47 points to 17. Carlos Nieto, Chris Ashton and Jackson Race called the other tries. In Formula 1, Ferrari's Fernando Alonso won the Chinese Grand Prix in Shanghai. Kimi Raikkonen was second for Lotus with Mercedes Lewis Hamilton third. The reigning world champion Sebastian Vettel, who nearly caught Hamilton on the final lap, came home fourth with Jensen Button fifth for McLaren. Watford manager Jan Franco-Zola isn't giving up hope on automatic promotion from the Championship despite defeat on Saturday at Peterborough. The Hornets lost 3-2, leaving them six points from a top two position with four games remaining. And Milton Keynes-Dons playoffs hopes were dented as they lost 2-0 at Leighton Orient in League One. The result leaves the Dons four points off the playoffs with three games to go. And Milton Keynes manager Carl Robinson expected much more from his side.
17: I won't question the players' effort. I just felt that they
27: worked a little bit harder than us. I don't know what that was. I know I never played during the week I know we've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for over the course of the, the last two weeks and other teams haven't um, so there's a bit of fatigueness there but still I expect them more from a team than what I've seen today
0: And that's the latest news in sport I don't think the NASA men were trying to kill E.T. more from o'clock. E. <laughs>
3: no, but they—they they, I don't think they were necessarily trying to kill him but they, didn't, they, they weren't saving him No, they,
0: no, they weren't they were just monitoring him Yeah, they didn't as care he was wasted away and became more and more like pasty and like Like a jelly baby, wasn't he, by the end? He was
3: like a lovely big jelly baby. But they they, they didn't care either way. But they were going to cut him open to see his um, heart light. Definitely. Uh, On Twitter. Twitter's really uh, ablaze with you. There's almost a hashtag Boyleys back. (laughs) There's not, but there should be. Uh, Scott has messaged me. Three messages. Hooray, Boyle's back. She's plumbed it. I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know what that means. That might be rude. It's
0: probably bad.
3: And then, I love Boyle. She's brill.
0: Oh, that's nice, Scott. It's
3: a little bit creepy, though, isn't it?
0: Well, you know, you've got to take it where you can get it, don't you?
4: Oh, you're obsessed. Call 08459 455 555. 08459
8: 455 555.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: I guess this
3: um, whole talk of E.T. and my son misunderstanding um, films. He's only three, OK. So don't judge him. He's not. He's don't judge him. He misunderstood Toy Story. He thought there were two. He thought there were the the toys that were toys, but then there were the real ones that were alive. He thought there were two different sets. Did you enjoy Toy Story? Yeah. What was your favourite bit when the real Woody met the toy Woody? Huh. Well, this has then brought us on to Kelly Betts, from uh, a member of my team, saying that she misunderstood E.T. She thought the NASA men were coming to kill E.T. Well, they were, weren't they? Let's, let's establish this. Were the NASA men trying to kill E.T.? 08459 four double five five double five. I watched The Sixth Sense with my mum. She didn't... Uh, I don't, spoiler alert. She didn't realise that Bruce Willis was dead. Yeah, I know. I know. She, did, she missed the whole premise of the film. So, uh, what films have you completely misunderstood? 08459 five nine four I'm guessing it'll maybe... I, I don't mean to be sexist. It'll mainly be men. Uh, The the, the understand films and women that don't I just think it's something about the way the brain is wired what films have you completely misunderstood 08459 455 555 other things coming up between now and 8 o'clock do you remember a couple of weeks ago we told you about the signs welcoming drivers to Milton Keynes they've been placed 13 miles away from the new city centre I know it's not a city but eh, well guess what Something's happened to one of the signs. I'll tell you what, in about 20 minutes' time. And how low-cost are low-cost airlines? Luton-based EasyJet is getting rid of its check-in desks from the end of this month. A travel expert has told this programme he believes it's a good idea and it'll help keep fares down. And what films have you misunderstood? 08459 four double five five double five. There's a film I saw recently. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about a guy. He's either going mad or he's predicting the end of the world, OK? Spoiler alert. I misunderstood it. I thought he was predicting the end of the world. It turns out he's going mad. 08459 oh, double five five double five. Now, have you followed in the footsteps of your parents when it comes to your career? Children now are less likely to do the same jobs as their parents than in Victorian times. Apparently, just 7% of children ended up in the same job as their mum or dad, compared with almost half in the 19th century. We can talk now to Ruth Reinstein, who is a child psychologist who runs an educational app called Whizzy Kids. Morning, Ruth. Good morning. Ruth, why do you think children are not wanting to do the same thing as their
6: parents? Because they've seen Britain's Got Talent. Is that it? Oh, well, I think it, it helps all sorts of kids to think, my God, I can have 15 minutes of fame. I can do this, I can do that, I can train a dog, whatever.
3: (laughs) That's something to aim for, isn't it? Being able to
13: train a dog.
6: (coughs) Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I I wonder if there are lots of kind of family-run businesses where for the last hundred years it's been Smith and son and then Mm. the new son or daughter goes, yeah, jog on, Dad, I'm not doing that.
6: Yeah, I'm sure there are. But actually, so many businesses are going to the wall, I'm not sure it's as much of an option as it used to be.
3: Where do you think today, apart from Britain's Got Talent, today's children get their inspiration when it comes to jobs?
6: Mostly from television, they really do. Really?
3: Mm. That's where I kind of got mine. I always wanted to be an actor. Mm. And it didn't quite work out that way. And but, and I sort of did all right out of it. So the, the, you you can dream, can't you? And, 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 and some I people fulfil dream. those dreams.
6: It's just not so realistic. Um... When Cracker was on, all sorts of people decided they wanted to be forensic psychologists, which is an admirable job, but uh, it's not like it is on Cracker.
3: Hang on a minute, you mean it's not just sitting around smoking cigarettes being a bit mysterious? Have I spoiled it for
6: you? Oh, Ruth, (laughs) there's more to it than that! And, um, you know, and there actually aren't the job vacancies.
3: Do you think that that, that kids need to. uh, I I, I don't think there's that many kids doing Saturday jobs now. When I was 15, I got a Saturday job at B Jams, and it was horrible, and I hated it, but it gave me a few quid. And it also gave me, well, it gave me a kind of work ethic, and it gave me a, a sense of realism that yes, I could aim to do something ridiculous and fantastic, but if I don't, then this is what a real job feels like.
6: Yeah, and I do think one of the problems for kids now is I have sent so many children out saying, look for a job call in at every shop eventually you'll get a job they don't because jobs are you know shops and factories are paired to the bone now Mm. so they're not giving job opportunities and kids need to see what real real work is like and very often it's tedious
3: Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? I remember my, yeah. first, my first day, my first full Saturday at B-Jams. Mm. Hated it. I went home. I felt sick. I felt dizzy. I thought I could never do that again. I had the worst nightmare all night, just stacking shelves and mm. filling freezers. And I said to my mum the next day, I don't think I can do this anymore. She went, yes, you can. Get back there next week and you get on with it. And I did. And I got into it. And I got into the routine. And I learned a lot from it. Yeah, yeah.
6: It's nothing else you learned. You didn't want to do it for the
3: rest of your life. Yes, exactly. It certainly gave me a kick up the backside. Ruth, thank you very much indeed. Ruth uh, runs an educational app called Wizzy Kids. It, it's a good point, isn't it? Young youngsters, I'm such an old man. Go and get a Saturday job. Friday night, Saturday. Go and work Friday nights and Saturdays. That will teach you what it's like to have a job. <clears throat> Getting up early at the age of fifteen on a Saturday morning when all your mates are out messing around in the park. Um, and and filling freezers, the worst bit about working in B-jams, and I did love it, I met some amazing people there, but the worst bit was, Saturday afternoons, the stock check. You'd have to go into the walk-in freezer and count everything that was in there. And you you had gloves and a coat, but that didn't work very well, and to write down, you had to take the gloves off. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I hated it. I really thought I was going to die in there. It was the worst thing I don't think kids, and by kids I mean 15, 16, 17, they don't have Saturday jobs anymore, do they? They don't seem to do Saturday jobs, and it's horrible. But it's one of the best things I ever did. Oh eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Someone who's still got a Saturday job is Justin Dealy. Justin, oh Ian, good morning.
10: Did you have a t- Saturday job as a kid? Uh, no, I didn't actually. I went to the football uh, and I played football oh. on Saturdays.
3: So you didn't go out and work in Tesco's or, no, or in the local oh, butchers?
10: Of course not, of course not. Not me, no.
3: But you, but I, I'll be honest. You do have, and this is the, 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 one of the few times I'm going to pay you a compliment mm, on it. Mm. You do have a very strong, if slightly dubious, work ethic, right. <laughs> and you do. You are one of the hardest working people in showbiz. Thank you. you didn't get that from from being a kid. Where did that come from then?
10: Um, I don't know. I think think you've got to have a passion for what you're doing. If you enjoy what you do, you work hard. If you don't enjoy what you do, well, you don't work hard. I think it's as simple as that, really. Okay. I wait 459 455 555.
3: Did you have a Saturday job? What was it? And if your kids haven't got one, why not? Now, the reason is here is because we're talking EasyJet. EasyJet is scrapping all of its traditional airport check-in desks at the end of this month and it'll adopt online-only check-ins like its rival Ryanair you'll be expected to print up boarding passes and even luggage labels online we learnt Justin there probably won't be a fine from EasyJet for a while if on Ryanair if you haven't checked in online and you forget to print up your ticket when you turn up 60 quid oh, per
10: person. That is incredible, isn't, isn't that a lot of money? Unbelievable. So, obviously, by putting a fine in place like that, they're either going to make money or it encourages people to, to make sure they print them out. I mean, in terms of EasyJet here, in this morning, not much opposition. I've been talking to passengers in the last 30 minutes or so. The majority think this is a step in the right direction and think it's a good idea. And this is what they had to say. Well, here's Jane. Jane, you're off to Amsterdam today. I um, hope you have a good trip. And um, What's your thoughts on EasyJet and this new podcast?
23: well i think we're all right because we print everything off but some people haven't got that facility so i think that would be a shame for those people
10: It'd be good for you though because you're printing off hopefully it's going to bring the cost down for you
23: yes but only minimal i don't really don't think it will bring the cost down very much so you're
10: not convinced as the consumer this is going to be in your favor no yeah.
23: No, uh, what's I don't. it like
10: on the whole travelling with low-cost airlines these days?
23: Well, we've only ever been with EasyJet, and we've always found them being very, very good. We've never had any problems at all.
10: So, David, everything's going online from the end of the month. As somebody who uses EasyJet, is that a step in the right direction, or is it vastly unfair? What do you think?
1: I think it'll make no difference to, to me at all, as i book in online anyway, but hopefully it'll bring the cost down a little
10: you're hoping for that, aren't you? I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Mm. And flying with EasyJet on the whole, what's the what's the experience like for you?
1: We've flown several times with EasyJet, and each time it's been a marvellous experience.
10: A marvellous experience. Oh, absolutely, yes. Wow. Mm. I'm sure their PR officer w- w- would be delighted <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> Nigel, like many people, you think this is a good idea. Can you tell me why? Because I think it speeds things up at the airport. The worst thing is when you start your holiday. Um, is getting a great delay, maybe 30 minutes uh, checking for queuing queuing, for checking. And that can make you quite angry? Yeah. Starting your holiday, you want it to be nice and relaxed and you think by doing this it will certainly speed things up? Hopefully it will, yeah. I mean, What about people though who don't have internet access all the time? Do you feel sorry for those people? Oh, of course I do, yeah. You've got to have another option for people like those, yeah. Well, Dave, you're here at Luton Airport this morning. Tell us where you're going today. off am doing Vanessa today. Ah, have a nice trip. Um, in terms of EasyJet and their new policy, do you think it's a step in the right direction? Yeah, I
28: think it's fine, I use the internet every day So uh,
3: it's just as easy as it is doing it The old-fashioned one Oh, look at the star man using the internet every day <laughs> Show off <laughs> what a little show off will it
10: speed things up
3: or will it just mean there'll be a queue a little bit further down in the chain
10: I mean obviously the reason why EasyJet are doing this the reason why Ryanair are doing this they're hopefully going to speed things up but also what they would say is it will bring the cost down because you as the consumer you're doing more that means less staff they can bring the cost down but call me old fashioned Ian I mentioned this to you earlier on call you something yes yes. sorry (laughs) very thank you Um, I I love to have a real ticket the days where you've got sent your tickets in the post and you got them out and you held them and you look forward to that holiday those days sadly are gone but this of course is the future i've simply got to move on like everybody else
3: yeah well in some ways you are stuck in the past
10: final question justin going off
3: on a complete tangent yeah you know at the end of et yes you know the nasa men
10: yes are they trying to kill et well do you know what the first time i saw it i did think that yeah i've got to be honest with you yeah i was a little bit suspicious of their intentions yeah did you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you cry? Yeah, of course. I still cry now. I watched this film at Christmas, Yeah. and I was saying to my family, look, please, please don't look at me in a different way now, but I'm watching E.T., and again, it got me. And I think what gets me as well is the music in that oh, film. You speak to man. anybody who's watched that film, most people cry, but also the people who worked on that film. When it came to an end, I saw a documentary, and they all cried together. It's so emotional. Justin Delith. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, isn't it nice to get uh, a, a glimpse of the human, Justin Dealey? 08459 oh, four double five five double five films you've completely misunderstood, please.
8: Right, 7.46, Travel News, Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The
18: more I think about E.T., the more I'm getting confused about this. It's really, really weird, isn't it? I do think they were trying to help E.T., because wasn't Elliot also really deathly sick?
3: Well, Because Elliot was, had a psychic link with him yeah, that made him poorly. Ill. But they didn't care. I, I, I don't think they cared about Elliot. They didn't care if Elliot died, because he was just in the way. Yeah. Mm. And I think they, they, they wouldn't have minded if E.T. lived, but they weren't that bothered.
18: I, it was like they were trying to help him, but Elliot was the one who wanted Et to get home, whereas they sort of wanted to keep him on Earth. They wanted to maybe. cut him
3: open and, and, and prize open his ribs.
18: Anyway, <laughs> should we get on with the travel? Thank you. Right, the M1 southbound. It's looking slow. Milton Keynes to Bedford, junction fourteen to thirteen. It's also quite slow from eleven to nine. So that's the A505 through to the A5. The A1M is busy this morning as well with traffic between junction eight at Stevenage and seven for the A602. The anti-clockwise M25 very slow now from St Albans at junction twenty. 1A all the way around to the M4 at Junction 15. Could take you over an hour in the queues there. And the trains this morning, First Capital Connect, disrupted to the south of London because of a derailment at Norwood Junction. It means a few trains will be running late through into Luton and Bedford this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Adam, thank you very much indeed. Morning, 7.47... 7.47? <laughs> who's chatting about E.T. The, show, the whole show's coming off the rails. It's uh, Monday, the 15th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sentencing will begin later in the case of four men who admit discussing plans for a terrorist attack on Luton's Territorial Army barracks. Police in Milton Keynes have launched an arson investigation following a house fire in Two Mile Ash on Saturday. In sport, the Australian golfer Adam Scott is the U.S. Masters champion after a playoff victory over former champion Angel Cabrera. Coming up, we'll be talking about the alteration that someone has made to the "Welcome to Milton Keynes" signs that have been placed near Turvey in Bedfordshire. We'll find out more after the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds,
11: Hearts and Bucks Weather,
21: BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, it's a lovely morning, turning into a lovely morning across Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire at the moment. A little bit of cloud still across Bedfordshire, but that should soon thin and break. It's not going to be as warm as it was yesterday when we got up to 20, 21 degrees. Um, It is going to feel slightly cooler, but there'll still be lots of good spells of sunshine out there and also lighter winds too, so feeling very pleasant indeed. What we may just see through the afternoon is one or two light showers spring up here and there, anywhere across the three counties in fact, so don't be too surprised if you do see a bit of wet weather but there'll be lots of sunshine around to compensate a little bit of cloud coming and going at times, temperatures between 14 and 16 degrees Celsius in Milton Keynes in Bedford, and in Ellsbury too that's 61 in Fahrenheit now as we head through into this evening and overnight, then it should be dry for the first part of the night, temperatures not dropping below 8 or 9 degrees, the cloud will start to thicken and we'll see outbreaks of rain spreading from the west into tomorrow morning, the southwesterly breeze really picking up as well, so a bit of a wet and a windy start, the rain and the wind won't last for too long that front is going to clear to the east and then behind that we'll see things brightening up once more temperatures between 14 and 15 degrees so a dry afternoon again a wet and windy start to wednesday but turning brighter into the afternoon and dry too some showers around on thursday but after that for the rest of the week it is looking dry fine and settled and of course temperatures very spring-like too that's the forecast
3: were the nasa men trying to save et or kill him elizabeth
21: um, um, they, they were trying to sa- save him weren't they? That's what I thought The oh. last time I watched it Ian I was probably about six years old so oh. I, I got the impression they were good Could you do me a favour? The,
3: the NASA men weren't good They put him in a big plastic tent They wanted to cut his ribs open Elizabeth
21: Oh did they? Could you oh, watch it again okay. for me
3: today and then give us a call tomorrow and we'll talk about it
21: <laughs> if Thank- I get time.
3: Thanks very much <laughs>
16: weeknights from seven get together wherever you are
14: good evening Joe good evening let's
25: talk to Lynn what's your story
16: Mark Forrest brings you the best stories from around the country
25: is there life after the armed forces they've got fantastic skill set
23: City Street is great fruit
25: veg food. you're telling me the best thing about your local
12: market it's inexpensive but quality products that's grown locally how
25: has adoption affected your family he
6: always says to me she is my birth mother
25: but you're my mum
16: Mark Forrest, Tonight from Seven, on BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Recently, we told you about how signs saying Welcome to Milton Keynes have been placed as far away as 13 miles from the city centre near Turvey in Bedfordshire. Well, at the time, it angered a number of residents, including Norman, who lives in Lavendon.
12: When I was coming home the other week, I got to the boundary at Northampton, it says Welcome to Milton Keynes. Then I drive through to Turvey, through Lavendon to Turvey, the road, again, is a disgrace, takes ages to get things done. And I get to Turbine, it says, thank you for visiting Milton Keynes. And when <laughs> you come back, the same. What a total waste of money. I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. I mean, where I live, I need, we need some trees topping down. When we rung up the council and asked this to be done, they haven't got the money to do it. No money available. But there's money available to put up needless signs.
3: Well, in the latest development, someone has graffitied the sign with the words, we steal your football clubs. You can see the picture on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Conservative councillor John Bint is in charge of transport and highways. Good morning, John. What, what's your response to this graffiti?
13: I think any graffiti is a real shame. I think it should be discouraged and we'll get it cleaned off as soon as we can.
3: What could, uh, listen, th- th- this kind of stuff annoys me as well. I think it, it, it's ridiculous and it does no one any favours. But what can you do to stop this kind of thing happening, particularly on these new signs?
13: I think the same thing as you do. Stop graffiti in any situation. You discourage it. You try and get it cleaned up as quickly as you can. You try and make sure that it becomes socially unacceptable to do it, and and you 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 just try and stamp it out as quickly as you can by all the text you have available. But it's not acceptable, and and I think something that is derogatory to Milton Keynes in general, to uh, the MK Dom's team. Um, to Milton Keynes' aspiration for, for sporting excellence is is a real shame, and and therefore I don't I don't care whether it's on a sign or a brig or, or whatever. Um, we should be stamping it out.
3: Part of you must have anticipated um, that, that, that something like this might happen with them being fresh, shiny new signs, lots of space on them. Did it cross your mind this might occur?
13: I, I don't, don't think it particularly brushes your mind that, uh, that that anything new will be naturally defaced. No, that isn't a behaviour I expect um, in, in and around Milton Keynes. Um, so I'm sorry it's happened. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen again. We will get them cleaned off as quickly as we can. Um, and no graffiti is acceptable, um, particularly something that is, that is belittling um, to something that lots of people in Milton Keynes hold very dear, the MK Doms.
3: There's space, uh, isn't there, on the, the bottom of the sign for a message o- o- on it. W- would the council consider covering that with a, with a different message and using that that space?
13: We recognise that there's lots of occasions when a, a secondary message is appropriate. Um, so, so for instance, uh, in, in some cases, in, in signs, near Bletchley, home to the code breakers, has has been a slogan that's been used for for many years in in other places um home to aston martin was used on signs for many years so so the idea and and indeed winners of britain in bloom uh, has been a popular and 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 well-earned sign when we held that trophy um so i think it's it's really nice to have the space there the way we've structured it is the 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 metal space there the metal the metal piece of the signboard is is there and and you can apply a secondary message more economically this way than than any other way so um, so in terms of had I specifically thought our oh, people will go and put graffiti on that, no I hadn't. I think it's a it's, it's a sick response to something that's new and nice and shiny and belittling of something in Milton Keynes. Um but I think having the opportunity for some for some second message at times when when we win things, I think we should be incredibly proud of Red Bull as well. Uh, so I think that I think that it is it is really good that we have this space for signs. Um Perhaps what we need to do is, is, is find the most appropriate sign and, um, and, and put, some, put some, some extra messages up. But I don't, think, I don't think that's what this debate is about. This debate is about whether um, we are proud of the MK Dons or whether we want to have a, have a pot shot at them. And I'm proud of MK Dons.
3: John, there is a chance the person who uh, wrote this graffiti is listening to this. What would you say to, to that person now?
13: If you don't think NK Don should have come to Milton Keynes, that's a debate to have. It's, it's, it's perhaps too late on this occasion. But, but I think graffiti is not a sensible way of having a debate about public policy.
4: John,
3: thank you very much indeed. Conservative Councillor John Bint.
4: Call 08459 455 555.
8: 08459 455 555.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: OK.
3: So my boy misunderstood Toy Story. He's only three. He didn't realise it was the actual toys that came to life. He thought there were two separate sets of toys, the toys and then the real live ones. <sighs> OK. Well, then Kelly Betts, who works on this show, i BBC introducing, um, said, oh, I misunderstood E.T. I thought that at the end of E.T., the NASA men were coming to kill E.T. And I said, well, yeah, they were, weren't they? But they were certainly coming to capture him. And they weren't bothered whether he lived or died. And it does get very macabre. Well, uh, we've got some text in 81333, starting the text 3CR. Mrs. S says, if you read the E.T. book, the man with the jangly keys is as excited as Elliot about E.T.'s arrival. Read the book. I'm not going to bother. I saw the film years ago, right? But thank you, Mrs. S. No, what I mean by that is I think the film is so good, I wouldn't want to read the book. I was obsessed with E.T. when I was younger. And we had, and I don't condone this behaviour... We had a pirate copy of it on Betamax video that my dad got. It was awful quality, almost unwatchable as these pirates were in the 80s. But we sat through it. And then years later, I saw it again. There was a whole 20 minutes in it I'd never seen before that had been cut out. The bit where he goes a bit bonkers in school and he's drawing on the wall and stuff. That whole bit I'd never seen before. But I was obsessed with that. The the Daily Mirror were giving away an E.T. record. E.T. Speaks. Still got that. But can you answer this question? at the end of E.T., are the NASA men trying to kill him or save him? I don't know. I thought they were killing him. This also spreads out slightly into films you don't understand. Ray says, I love the film 2001, A Space Oddity. I don't fully understand it. Space Odyssey. No no one understands it. You're not not meant to understand 2001. It's one of those films you're meant to go, hmm, yeah, that was a really interesting interesting, uh, examination of uh, what it's like, uh, existentialism. You're not meant to understand that film. My mum didn't realise that Bruce Willis was dead in the sixth sense. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. My mum didn't realise that Bruce Willis was dead in the sixth sense. I know. 08459 nine four double five Two trains of thought here. What on earth is happening at the end of E.T.? Got it on DVD recently. I must check it out. I hope it's the original version, not the remastered version. Oh, yeah, they, re- they re-edited it. So, and they animated E.T. better. What happens at the end of E.T.? And films you don't understand. 81333, start your tech 3CR. Or give me a call, 08459 455555. Here's the travel news now. Adam Glynn.
8: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: On the trains, we've still got this disruption for First Capital Connect to the south of London. They're going to be affected until about two this afternoon. A freight train, an engineering train indeed, derailed, damaging part of their tracks in the Norwood Junction area. So that's just to the south of London near Croydon. It's of course going to cause disruption, though, for services running through London and onward toward Bedford and... Uh, Luton and unfortunately it is causing a few delays on the departure boards already this morning roads are looking busy southbound M1 we've got delays past Milton Keynes and then from the A505 to the A5 junction 11 to 9 the A5 in Dunstable is looking slow between Church Street and Lynch Hill the A1M busy between Hitchin and Stevenage the M25 very slow junction 22 at London Coney to 23 at the A1M into the roadworks Anti-clockwise, meanwhile looking slow from St Albans to the M4 junction 21A to 15 a big section of the motorway taking you about an hour and ten minutes to get through and the M40 as you go in toward London looking slow from Beaconsfield to the M25 at Junction 1A Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio
3: Thank you Adam and congratulations for saying Beaconsfield not Beaconsfield What oh, gets me angry when they do that Here's the news with Catherine Boyle Getting beds, hearts and
8: bugs talking
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio
0: morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines fall due in court over Luton terror plans. Investigation launched into Milton Keynes' fire and first wave of benefit caps launched in London. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four men from Luton face prison after admitting discussing plans for a terrorist attack using homemade bombs. The gang downloaded al-Qaeda instructions on how to make an explosive device and collected funds for terrorist activity. Sentencing will begin at Woolwich Crown Court later. Zafar Khan from the Luton Council of Faith says the Muslim... Muslim community are trying to stamp out extremism.
5: You see that increasingly particularly within the um, uh, Muslim communities uh, are becoming more and more aware of ensuring that there is an environment created where young people do not get sort of sucked into extremism and, and so on.
0: Thames Valley Police have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Milton Keynes. Police and firefighters were called to an address in Two Mile Ash shortly before four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. While the blaze consumed most of the house and two vehicles outside, the seven occupants escaped unharmed. The new cap on benefits begins in four London boroughs today before being rolled out across England, Wales and Scotland over the summer. Our personal finance correspondent Simon Gompetz has the details.
13: Couples and single parents will be restricted to no more than 500 pounds a week in benefit and people on their own will have a 350 pound upper limit job seekers allowance income support child benefit and housing benefit are on a long list of payments which count towards the calculation but those on disability benefits are exempt along with people working and receiving working tax credit to encourage anyone affected to look for a job ministers say that the threat of the cap has already galvanized 8,000 claimants who would have lost out into finding jobs
0: The BBC has refused to drop tonight's edition of Panorama, which was filmed secretly in North Korea. There's been growing criticism that it may have put students in danger by using a London School of Economics study trip as cover, but the BBC said the film was strongly in the public interest and the students were made aware of the dangers. Today marks the start of Parkinson's Awareness Week across Britain. According to the charity Parkinson's UK, every hour someone across the country is told they have the condition. 33-year-old Neil Crittenden from Royston was one of them.
1: Often, some people have asked me about it, and just sort of like strangers, strangers in shops, and taxi drivers, and um, I'm more than happy to sort of speak about it because I think I really think education is the key.
0: In sport, the Australian golfer Adam Scott is the US Masters champion after he beat former champion Angel Cabrera in a playoff at the Augusta National. Scott secured his first ever major with a birdie on the second hole of their playoff. Both had finished on nine under par, two clear of Jason Day. The weather, sunshine and showers, and a top temperature of 17 degrees Celsius, that's 63 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First venues. You were
3: there, weren't you?
0: <laughs> I wasn't there. No, you,
3: you were there. You've been to America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you went to Atlanta,
0: um, Augusta. Yeah. So I was in Augusta. We drove past.
3: You did you see the golf's? The,
0: the golf's.
3: The gulfs. The golf's. Did you see it? What I'm asking is, did you you were you were where the gulfs took place? Were you there? Did yeah. you see McElroy?
0: <laughs> right, no, I didn't But I was there while they were having a practice And I went there, they had this reception that the mayor oh. put on Where you could go and fill your face for a dollar I was there
3: What did you fill your face with?
0: All sorts
3: You're going to get the sack
9: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh dear Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio It's, uh, it's Suddenly it's eight o'clock What what on earth is going on? Three minutes past eight. Four minutes past eight. Monday, 15th of April. Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock, including a group of men who discussed blowing up the Territorial Army Centre in Luton are appearing in court today. We look at how significant this case is. Half of people diagnosed with Parkinson's face regular discrimination because people don't understand the effects of their condition. Speaking to a Hertfordshire man who suffered with Parkinson's for 10 years to find out more about the effect it has on his family. And also, what on earth happens at the end of ET? Are the NASA men trying to kill him? And what films have you completely misunderstood? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: A group of men who discussed blowing up the Territorial Army Centre in Luton are appearing in court today. All four, aged between 21 and 31, were arrested in a series of anti-terror raids in the town last April. They're due to be sentenced tomorrow. Professor Anthony Glees is the Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham and joins me now. Good morning, Professor.
12: Good morning. How unusual is this case? Well, it's not that unusual, I'm afraid. I think it's important (coughs) to realise that the number of people involved in terrorist offences is very, very small compared to uh, the size of the Muslim population in the UK as a whole. However, it's a sad fact that there's been a 60% increase year-on to September Uh, 2012, in the number of people arrested for terrorist offences, and also the number of people charged. In this particular case, I think what's significant is that these men have pleaded guilty. That shows that our counter-terrorist police at our MI5 do know who is their target and how they should get them.
3: You say a 60% increase. Does that mean there are more people, there are more terrorists, or we're getting better at catching them?
12: Well, I think unfortunately it's that they're more terrorists i i understand you could argue about the interpretation of the statistics the more you know about doesn't necessarily mean there's an increase i understand that but what seems to be happening and it seems to have happened in this particular case is that whereas before let's say at the time of the 2005 bombings groups of terrorists islamist terrorists were controlled and ...educated in terrorism by people overseas in Afghanistan, in Pakistan. Now, they're organising themselves in small groups using the internet. So then uh, Al-Qaeda has essentially been degraded, but its ideas live on in the internet... And people are able to download, as would appear to be in this case, download manuals, download all sorts of things which will tell them how to attack, in this case, an army base, significantly, of course, a a territorial army base.
3: The background of this was uh, ahead of the Olympics. Did, did that play a part in the arrest, that there was extra surveillance being carried out? Would we have caught them if that extra surveillance hadn't been taking place?
12: I think we would have caught them. I think we would have caught them, because what we've had since February 2010 is a rather important new institution called the Counter-Terrorist Internet Referral Unit, or the CTIRU. Now, this is something that's been set up by Counter-Terrorist Command in the Met, and they monitor the Internet. They monitor it for people who are downloading the Al-Qaeda training manual. They monitor it for people who are downloading this curious Al-Qaeda magazine called inspire and whilst it is the case undoubtedly that there were more arrests in the run-up to the london olympics that could also be because there was more evidence that people were downloading this stuff in the run-up to the london olympics and just the other day uh, a graduate and graduate in engineering who'd applied for a job working in the core of the Olympic organization, uh, was convicted of possession of an al-Qaeda terrorist manual. So, this is not a huge problem in terms of numbers, but you don't need many people to kill a lot of law-abiding citizens in this country.
3: How close are we? to a successful terrorist attack. It seems that the police are are doing a cracking job in that there has been nothing significant that's happened for quite a while. Is that going to continue?
12: Well, (laughs) you never make predictions, especially not about the future, as as Mark Twain said. But I do think we can be proud of our counter-terrorist police, we can be proud of MI5, and increasingly one would hope that people in Muslim communities would follow the mantra if you suspect it report it, if you suspect it, report it but there are still people out there there are still young people usually graduates from universities ready to be radicalised who will not rest until they have plotted some kind of terrorist attack on people, particularly the brave people who are fighting for the values of this country in far-off places.
3: Can we draw anything from the fact that all of these gentlemen were from Luton?
12: Well, again, unfortunately, uh, I think one can. It would be easy to say, um, no, you can't draw anything because you only know about the people you know about, and MI5 always say uh, to the number of people you know about, you can add the same number of people you don't know about. But Luton has become a problem area, and uh, it's absolutely right that people look carefully at what's going on in Luton and that we continue to develop uh, ways of preventing otherwise decent people from accepting a perverted form of Islam and, and moving from what is a thoroughly peaceful religion into a political ideology that wants to blow us up. Uh,
3: finally, Professor, what, what, what kind of sentence would we expect them to get today or tomorrow? I think it's the sentence. Well,
12: in the <laughs> that's fair. I, I should have thought they could expect a lengthy sentence. That is to say, in the region of, of ten years, uh, but it may be less because these people are now marked people, and from now on, everything they look at on the internet will be carefully monitored.
3: Professor Anthony Glees, Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. Thank you very much indeed.
4: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Now things that have been happening this morning, police in Luton have carried out 20 raids this morning targeting people who are wanted for handling stolen goods. It's part of a 16 month operation called Operation Sabre. BBC Look East reporter Neil Bradford was there and he's just sent us this report.
18: Chief Constable Alf Hitchcock, first of all tell
3: us
11: about the operation today.
28: Yeah, good morning. We've uh, targeted 20 addresses this morning to arrest 20 people for a variety of offences, including uh, burglaries, thefts and handling of stolen property. It's part of Operation Sabre.
10: And this is an ongoing operation that started many months ago?
28: Yeah, the Operation Sabre has been running uh, since the earlier part of the year and the idea is that we go after people committing these crimes but in, in the background we've also been gathering a lot of intelligence and a lot of evidence uh, on other people and today we've targeted those people who haven't been arrested during Sabre uh, to start mopping those people
18: up. And the 20 people that uh, you're after today, they are key people?
28: Yeah, these are absolutely key people. These are people who, uh, who we know from our intelligence have been uh, involved in criminality, so we're today looking to get them in, get them interviewed and, uh, and see what they've been up to. And why is it important to tackle burglary? It's really important to Tattleburgray that it's it's a crime that affects people's daily lives. There's nothing more horrific than coming back to your house and finding somebody's broken into it uh, and having that trauma. So it's really important that we keep on top of these people and uh, today we're showing that Bedfordshire Police are on top of the game and we're going to go after them.
10: And finally, what is your message to anyone involved in those sorts of crimes?
28: Well, the clear message is Bedfordshire Police are here to fight crime and protect the public, and we've shown this morning and we'll be showing in the coming weeks that that's what we're going to do. If you're committing crime, we're going to be right behind you.
3: Well, that was uh, BBC Look East reporter Neil Bradford there.
28: 08459 nine
3: four double We're still trying to get to the bottom of what on earth is happening at the end of ET. Political reporter Paul Scoynes has waded into the argument on Twitter. The NASA men were trying to save him, but ET didn't realise that. It was the first film I saw in a cinema, so I speak with some authority. Well, that's, that's Paul Scoyne's uh, take on that. What, what, uh, uh, I haven't seen E.T. for a long, long time. But, and I, I've got it on DVD. I, I don't want to be sat crying in front of my wife, not again. So uh, I, I won't watch it. But are they trying to save him at the end? And what films have you completely misunderstood? You thought it meant one thing, and I mean, I, I've said this before I didn't understand the A team movie, I, just did, I couldn't work out what on earth was going on. It couldn't make any sense of the plot whatsoever. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the bit when they were flying a tank. But I didn't understand... I, I couldn't follow the plot at all. 08459 four double five five double five. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn.
8: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: I can tell you quickly in one film i didn't understand went to see it with a friend it was called the tree of life it was one of these big cerebral oh ones yes it was just over two hours long felt more like three or four I, did it have any car chases or guns in it no it didn't there you go you see that was your mistake adam you see big mistake yes, there it was m1 southbound we've got delays past junction 14 at milton Keynes, and then it slows up again between the a505 and the a5 junction 11 and 9 a1m that's busy ...usual spot from Hitchin to Stevenage, the B197 through to the A602. A1 as you get in toward London, bit of a queue southbound this morning... ...through Borehamwood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. The A10's looking busy as well between the Great Cambridge Road... ...and Winston Churchill Way going through Chesant. And then as you get in toward Enfield, it gets slow between... Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. M25 clockwise, delays into the roadworks... so junction 22 at St Albans through to 24 at Potter's Bar. Anti-clockwise meanwhile, slow from junction 21 through to the M4 at Junction 15. About an hour to get through there. M40's looking busy in toward London as well, from Beaconsfield through to the M25. And looking at the trains, we've got those late runners coming through from London. First Capital Connect have problems to the south of London after an engineering train derailed early this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. It's
3: 8.16, it's Monday the 15th of April I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines On BBC Three Counties Radio Four men from Luton face prison After admitting discussing plans For a terrorist attack using homemade bombs Police in Milton Keynes Have launched an arson investigation After a house fire in Two Mile Ash on Saturday And in sports Adam Scott became the first Australian To win the US Masters After he beat former champion Angel Cabrera in a playoff At the Augusta National The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, rather cloudy start, but sunny intervals are expected during the morning. Showers are also likely to develop by the afternoon. It'll be less warm, but less windy than yesterday. Maximum temperature is 17 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking to Parkinson's sufferer Adrian Pinner from Elstree in Hertfordshire as part of Parkinson's Awareness Week.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer
23: on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm
3: here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that.
12: I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? (laughs)
21: Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't
14: want to do is take any risks with the capital itself.
27: And loads of really great music.
21: Sick. Nick
4: Coffer,
23: weekdays from 12. On BBC Three County Nick radio. Coffer! Uh, radio. Yeah! <laughs> from midday on weekdays
3: and something at the weekend too. <laughs> Boom! There you go, you see. Look at you. Look at me. You're looking um, rosy this morning. you Are you having a hot flush? <laughs> no, I've got a spot on my cheek. Oh, I won't notice that until well, you spotted it, until fa- you pointed it thanks out. Thanks very much. You, you look healthy. Do I? Yeah, you do. This £53 a week thing is
14: paying off. <laughs> it's brought out the flush in me. You need to, you need to do this more often, I think. <laughs> That's over now. Oh, is That's it finished? Over now. But I had the same breakfast today that I've been having all last week. What, what, what was your breakfast? A banana. Oh. 30p for a banana, you can't sniff at that. Well, um, that seems quite expensive for a banana. Is that what they are
3: these
28: yeah, days it's
14: about 30p. Um, the, the banana is supposed to give you a slow release of energy. Yes. But not, not very filling. You can't be full on no, a banana. No, I'm feeling a little hungry now. I shall have to have my handful of fruit and nut mix very shortly. Do you want all this information? <laughs> <laughs> probably but, not. Me imagining you with your handful of fruit and nut is not really
3: <laughs> the image... What happens at the end of E.T.? <gasps> E.T.? Are they
14: trying to kill him? The e- NASA men E.T. Not- e. phone home. It's my E.T. impression. Was that you doing that? It was my- That was amazing! E. It's good, isn't it? Elliot. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Elliot.
7: E.T. phone home. <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> home. Home. <laughs> Do
3: you know know what? We're getting paid to do this. Isn't that ridiculous? Your licence fee is paying for me to go... um. (laughs) How does that make you feel? (laughs) I will demand a refund. It's funny. Are they trying
14: to kill him or not? What, E.T.? The NASA men, yes. I don't know. Okay. I can't remember. It was many years ago E.T. was on. How many times have you watched this? Have you watched this as a grown adult? No, it's not... I don't want to cry in
3: front of my wife again, so no. Oh, did you cry? Oh, yeah, it would make me cry again. Yeah. Oh. Give it to us one more time and then tell us what's happening on your show. Go on. What, my E.T. impression?
14: Yeah. <clears throat> I can't get it. Hang on, I've lost it. <clears throat> E.T. phone home. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot. <laughs>
3: I'm only doing this because I know it's, it's, it's something serious in
14: your show, but it's not it's not the most serious thing it could it be. It is very serious. It
3: is, no, it, it is
14: serious. What's on your show yes, this morning? But uh, but we won't make any ET references to this morning's no, big no, 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 Inappropriate. Coming up at nine today, do you agree with the £500 a week benefit cap? It's today's big story. The new cap on benefits begins in four London boroughs before being rolled out across the rest of the country over the summer. It's the biggest shake-up to the welfare system in decades. From today, 40000 households will see a drop in the money they receive as part of the government's efforts to cut public spending. The cap will put a £350 a week limit on benefits for somebody living on their own and £500 a week for couples and single parents. Well, this morning from nine, I want your views. Do you agree with the £500 a week benefit cap? Do you think it's too harsh? Is it too generous? I want your views. Will it affect you? Apparently, 8,000 people since the threat of this cap came into place, 8,000 people have now got jobs and have come off the benefit system. Interesting. So, is it actually a very good idea? Perhaps you yourself have decided to go out and get a job rather than uh, than have your your benefits cut in this way. From 9 this morning, I want to hear your view. 08459 four double five five double five. do you agree with the £500 a week benefit cap?
24: For now. <laughs>
4: Call 08459 455 555.
8: 08459 455 555.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: How would you cope if you were diagnosed with a life-changing condition like parkinson's disease well it's parkinson's awareness week and every hour someone in the uk is told they have the condition one in 20 of these people are under 40 years of age including neil crittenden from
1: hertfordshire our reporter tony fisher went to speak to the 33 year old at his home in royston probably the first indication i had that something was wrong was um, when i was 22 i was sitting in um, class um, i used to study Um, I went to Harlow to study journalism, and um, and I I was sitting in class, and I was fiddling with a paperclip. And um, when I tried to manipulate it, um, my left thumb started shaking Um, whenever whenever I put pressure against it. And over the years, that manifested itself into um, a tremor down the left-hand side of my body. So it was quite a gradual thing. It was, yes, and it took probably about five years before... um, it took 5 years 5 years before I was referred to um a neurologist.
19: Cuz it is quite unusual at that age to get is, Parkinson's, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Um I think Michael, Michael J. Fox was 27 when, when when he was diagnosed as well.
19: So how has it impacted on your life? How do people view you? I mean, how 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 is life? Um life's great at the moment. Um I'm married. We well, can see you're married. Yeah. You've got a little 3-month-old yeah. Baby
1: boy called Dexter, who's very happy. Yeah, I think the key is uh, there's nothing that I could do ten years ago that I can't do now. If somebody perhaps makes a, makes a comment to you in the street, then yeah, symptoms can flare up again. Mm. Do people look at you in a funny way? Or? Yes, yes. Um, at times, at, at times, yeah. Often, some people have asked me about it, and um, just, just sort of like. Strangers, strangers in shops and um, taxi drivers and um, I'm more than happy to sort of speak about it because I think I really think education is the key and and we've got to get rid of this sort of notion that Parkinson's is traditionally an old person's condition because mm-hmm. it isn't I mean people feel um people um. Mm-hmm. As young as 18 you've got it. So there, there isn't really any
19: area of your life that is 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 impacted. I mean, can you can got you cook yourself for your meal safely, or I, or, I mean,
1: um, I can. Um, in 2000, 2011, I had deep brain stimulation, which involves um, um electrodes implanted into your brain, and um, I've I've got a pacemaker wide. I've got a pacemaker just, um, a pacemaker just to your to, chest. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that fires an electrical signal symptom in my brain, which helps, um, which helps dampen down the symptoms quite a lot. And that's been terrific. That has helped me um, immensely. I honestly don't think I'd still, I'd still be able to work full time mm. if it wasn't for that. So it's a combination of medication and surgery, which has helped me to just live each day as it comes and enjoy it. Try not, try not to worry about what might happen, just live a normal life.
3: Well, joined now by Adrian Pinner from L Street in Hertfordshire, who suffered with Parkinson's for nearly 10 years, and his wife, Audrey. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Adrian, how has Parkinson's changed your life?
29: Well, it's, uh, changed it quite dramatically over the last couple of years. I've, I've suffered with Parkinson's for about 9 or 10, but, uh, Initially, it was being controlled by the medication, but over the last couple of years, it's, uh, it's deteriorated quite a lot, and uh, I can no longer go into work. And uh, I spend a lot of time at, in my room at home. And uh, the worst thing is about Parkinson's is uh, the side effects on the medication. Adrian, can I ask how old are you? Well, I was 60 on Saturday.
3: And you say you spend a lot of time at home in your room. Yes. Why, why is that?
29: Well, because when I, I... I can't walk very far when I go out. If I go out by myself, I'm afraid of getting stuck somewhere. And, uh, and if, uh, if life goes on, you know, my, my wife... You know, is busy with lots of things, and uh, she, if she takes me uh, for a walk, uh, we we were limited sometimes by my, by how far I can walk, and you know, things things are not easy. But I have got to. I'm booked up for, a, for the operation at the last caller head. Which this is, is
3: the little implant in the brain, isn't it? With which which is, does it fire an electric shock or something?
29: Well, what it is, it's uh, they, they put in a wire. It's about six inches long. The wire it's, uh, it goes deep into the brain, and they and they they, they do fire like a all electric shock, and it's and it, uh, it's like a pacemaker. It uh, sends uh, a message to your nerves, to, uh, to your nerves, to your muscles, what 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 your brain wants them to do.
3: Adrian, can I speak to, to your wife? Is that okay? Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you. Hello, Audrey. Hi. How have you coped with, uh, with Adrian's condition? Because it, it's hard for the person who's got it. It's also hard for the people around
22: them, isn't it? It's very hard for the people around them because you get mixed signals from the actual person that's got Parkinson's because they pull funny faces and you think they're angry all the time. So when I speak to him... I think if i'm whatever i'm saying he's angry with me so sometimes when i speak to him i have to turn my back so i can just listen to his answers without looking at his face because body language his body language tells me something completely different to what he's actually saying to me
3: how does that make you both feel having to turn your back so you can you can just listen to him and not not see him to get the the, the, the true interpretation of what he means
22: i think he understands now <laughs> i think he understands what how I feel about it, because, you know, when you see somebody that was, a, you know, a strong, happy person, and then when you're talking to them now, they look completely different to how they... what they, what how they want to speak to you. They look completely different. So, I mean, we're used to it now. I mean, he's had it for over ten years. I mean, he's probably had it for over ten years, but he was diagnosed hmm. nine or ten and years.
3: And you're saying it's, getting, it's got worse the last couple of years?
22: Last year and a half, he's got really, really bad. Um... And the medication that he's on now gives him terrible dyskinesia. What what, what does that
3: mean, dyskinesia?
22: Where you sort of... Well, we call it dancing or flapping around or an octopus. It's where he's sort of moving involuntary, continuously. Mm. And so he's absolutely exhausted. Have
3: have you ever been out with him, Audrey, and and someone's said something or, or or we spoke to a gentleman earlier on who'd been tutted because he was taking too long to fill a shopping bag have you ever encountered any discrimination like that
22: not a lot but we did actually a couple of weeks ago he we went to camden town camden market and it was very very busy anyway and adrian was dyskinetic at the time and so we were walking around and he was bumping into people not deliberately obviously and a few people like turned around and gave him like a really dirty look because he looks when he's walking he looks like he's drunk. Mm. And I didn't say anything because I wanted to say something to the person to say, well, you know, he's not drunk, he's got Parkinson's. And I'm sure that would have changed their opinion of him, but I didn't want to bring the attention to Adrian because then it would have upset him. So I just ignored it.
3: And finally, Audrey, I- I- I'm trying to imagine how I would feel if my wife uh, got ill with something like this. W- w- can you describe how it feels seeing your husband get slowly worse? It's
22: horrible. It's, ri- it's just horrible. Mm. It's horrible for us, for me, it's horrible for the kids. It's just, it's, it's really sad. You know, from being, you know, you know, a person that I could lean on there, now I, he has to lean on me the whole time. And it, it's a role reversal that I didn't see happening in my life.
3: I really appreciate you coming on this morning to talk to us thanks very much thank you Thank you very much that was uh, audrey and uh, adrian pinner from elstree in hertfordshire adrian's well he was diagnosed with parkinson's 10 years ago probably had it a bit longer i wait four five nine four double five five double five let's get the travel news now here's adam Glynn.
8: beds hearts and bucks travel bbc three counties radio
18: Thank you, Ian. Starting with the trains. Chilton reporting delays of up to 15 minutes possible from Marleband to Harrow on the Hill and South Ricelip. A broken down train is causing those delays. First Capital Connect disrupted to the south of London after an engineering train derailed damaging part of their tracks. Delays of up to half an hour can be expected on their services until about two this afternoon. It means a couple of late runners will be coming through London toward Luton and Bedford. On the roads, quite busy. It's slowing down on the M1 from around Northampton to Newport Pagnell, southbound, then again from the to the A5 at Redbourne the A1 looking incredibly busy at the Black Cat roundabout, we've got queues approaching the roundabout, tailing back to around Eaton Soken, the A1M is slow from Hitchin through to Stevenage and then as you get into London, the A1 queuing in Boreham Wood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus, the A10 is slow in Chesant, it's also slow through Enfield between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road M40 toward the M25 is queuing from around Beaconsfield and if you're joining the M25 anti-clockwise, it's slowest from the M1 round to the M Four Junction Twenty One to Fifteen, and clockwise into the roadworks. So that's Junction Twenty Two at London Coney to Twenty Four at Potter's Bar. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. News and Sport. Now here's Catherine.
8: Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Good morning, the headlines. Four men from Luton face prison after admitting discussing plans for a terrorist attack using homemade bombs. Police in Milton Keynes have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in Two Mile Ash on Saturday. And the new cap on benefits begins in four London boroughs today before being rolled out across England, Wales and Scotland over the summer beds
8: hearts and bucks sports bbc three counties radio
0: adam scott's become the first australian winner of golf's masters tournament in augusta he beat angel cabrera in the sudden death playoff after both men finished on nine under par they couldn't be separated at the first playoff hole but then scott holed from 15 feet at the 10th green to take the first major of his career here's what he had to say shortly before picking up that famous green jacket
2: it fell my way today there was some luck there somewhere i don't know how i'd to digest it all at the moment, but it was incredible. It's incredible to be in this position. I'm honoured.
0: In rugby, Saracen secured a home semi-final in the Premiership playoffs by beating Worcester yesterday. David Strettle scored a first half hat-trick as Sarri's won by 47 points to 17. Carlos Nieto, Chris Ashton, and Jackson Ray scored the other tries. In Formula One, Ferraris Fernando Alonso won the Chinese Grand Prix in Shanghai. Kimi Räikkönen was second for Lotus, with Mercedes Lewis Hamilton third. The reigning world champion, Sebastian Vettel, who nearly caught Hamilton on the final lap, came home fourth, with Jensen Button fifth for McLaren. Watford manager Jan Frank. Zola isn't giving up hope on automatic promotion from the championship despite defeat on Saturday at Peterborough. The Hornets lost 3-2, leaving them six points from a top two position with four games remaining. Zola's hoping to pick up more wins in those games and see what happens.
17: Yeah, yeah, that's what we're t- going to try to do until the end. We, we don't give up, we, we, we carry on and we do our best.
0: And Milton Keynes' Dons' playoff hopes were dented as they lost 2 0 at Leighton Orient in League One. That result leaves the Dons four points off the playoffs with three games to go. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock.
4: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC okay. Three Counties Radio.
3: I'm, I'm just going to do something I never do. I'm going to nip to the studio next door. What on earth is wrong with you, Jonathan Vernon-Smith? Why is he... Can't hear Well, what, 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 Producer Laura, he's, he's in there trying to make a cup of coffee. He's looking miserable. He's kicking things. What's his problem?
16: He's having a stress because the coffee machine upstairs doesn't work. Right. So he's come down to the studio where we broadcast from to try and sort out his coffee. And there was no coffee in the machine. And it's... <sighs> Oh, dear.
3: Look, without what? being sorry uh, without being rude he's doing it during my show he's yeah, kind of putting you off you, yeah. you're not able to focus on the show it's putting me off because he's in my peripheral vision just uh, looking like a spoilt child
20: I've offered to help look, him i look. think
14: he's going to storm out there that machine doesn't work nothing works here that's it
20: <clears throat>
3: Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you fly with Luton-based EasyJet, you'll notice big changes in a couple of weeks. They're scrapping their traditional check-in desks. Good idea, because it'll speed things up. Or are the airline just trying to save money? And we are desperately trying to find out what on earth happens at the end of ET. They're not trying to save him. They want him to operate on him. Surely. 08459 oh double five, five double five. The big stories here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, as we've mentioned, if you fly with Luton-based EasyJet, you'll notice some changes in the near future. The airline is scrapping all of its traditional airport check-in desks at the end of this month and will adopt online-only check-ins. Like its rival, Ryanair, you'll be expected to print up boarding passes online, meaning you won't have to interact with any staff during check-in. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been speaking to people at the airport this
10: morning. Wendy, this new idea, is it a step in the right direction or is it slightly unfair? What's your thoughts on that?
26: Well, it's probably slightly unfair to people that are not online or not computer savvy and don't have printers and things. That would be unfair for them, but the majority... It, uh, probably is a good thing for the majority of people.
10: Would that majority include you? Do you think it's a good yes. idea personally? Yes. And why do you think it's a good idea?
26: It's so much faster. So you get better service if you have everything, your boarding pass and everything with you. It's much faster to get on the plane than.
10: Well, just lastly, I've got to ask you your accent. You're here in Luton this morning. Where have you travelled from to be here? Where are you from in the States?
26: I'm from Santa Barbara, California. And what's the weather like out there it's at the moment? It's lovely.
10: <laughs> <laughs> it's always lovely. <laughs> As you look out the window here in Lucerne it's rather grey. Wendy, great to talk to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, here's Jane. Jane, you're off to Amsterdam today. Um, yes. I hope you have a good trip. Thank and you. what's your thoughts on EasyJet and this new policy?
23: Well, I think we're all right because we print everything off. But some people haven't got that facility. So I think that would be a shame for those people.
10: It would be good for you, though, because you're printing off. Hopefully it's going to bring the cost down for you.
23: Yes, but only minimal. I really don't think it will bring the cost down very much. So you're
10: not convinced, as the consumer, this is going to be in your favour? No. (laughs) What's it like on the whole travelling with low-cost airlines these days?
23: Well, we've only ever been with EasyJet, and we've always found them being very, very good. We've never had any problems at all.
10: So, David, everything's going online from the end of the month. As somebody who uses EasyJet, is that a step in the right direction, or is it vastly unfair? What do you think?
1: I think it'll make no difference to to me at all, as i book in online anyway, but hopefully it'll bring the cost down a little
10: you're hoping for that aren't you I'm hoping for that yeah, yeah. Mm. and flying with easyjet on the whole what's the what's the experience like for you we've
1: flown several times with easyjet and each time it's been a marvelous experience
3: well listening to that is peter duffy easyjet's marketing director good little bit of uh, the, the uh, puff at the end of that vox pops there peter
25: well it, i think it was good feedback ian um, what we're trying to do by moving to 100 online is just reduce the queues in the airport for all our customers uh 50 of people who travel with us don't put bags into the hold and so by checking on, on, in online before they get to the airport it means they can go straight to security and then onto gate and just save themselves valuable minutes in the airport. Will fares go down as a result of this? Uh, probably not in the short term because we're not getting rid of our check-in desks what we're going to do is to get them to focus on people who are putting bags in the hold and make sure we, we speed up those pro- that process for our customers as well so we're not going to be changing our costs at all we're just going to be refocusing them on trying to make sure that we can make travel easy for our customers. So you will be able to check in uh, at the airport? Yeah, what we're doing is asking all our customers to check in online in advance now if for some reason somebody can't do that for whatever then of course we'll help them when it comes to the airport but i think most of our customers do it already over 90 percent of our customers do check in online at the moment and they just find it's one less thing to do on the day of travel you know stress airports can be stressful they can be you know difficult locations so the more that can be done in advance that people are ready to fly the easier they find it on the day
3: okay so just to clarify if if i turn up and i haven't checked in online Mm -hmm. i'll be able to check in at the airport without any penalty
25: yeah absolutely uh,
3: what happens if, if you forget your paperwork, though, as some people often do? If they have checked in online and they forget their, their bits and pieces, and th- will they be able to...? Yeah, of course. We'll just help you at the airport. And you won't be introducing fines in the future because I know that your rivals, Ryanair, that if you, che- if you don't check in online and you turn up, 60 quid per person.
25: Mm. We have absolutely no plans to do that. This is all about making it easier for customers as well as affordable for customers. It's about cutting our queues and it's just about making that airport experience a little less stressful on a day of travel.
3: Peter Duffy, thank you very much indeed. Peter Duffy, EasyJet's marketing director.
25: Across beds, hearts
4: and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Shall
3: we have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers? Yes, why not? We've not done it for a while for goodness sakes. Why well, the front page of the the, the Sun? Kelly's uh, ex cuts it off, <laughs> hits his phone. He means, and there's a picture of Kelly Brooke in her bra uh, and pants. Sally Burko is to snub Maggie. Hypocritical Sally Burko was blasted last night for shunning Baroness Thatcher's funeral. Mrs Burko, 43, insisted she was not obliged to join her husband John, who is common speaker. But Tory MPs pointed out she'd not ducked previous engagements, such as 2011's Royal Wedding or the ceremonial state openings of Parliament. Well, hang on a second. Very rarely do I agree with uh, Sally Burko, But if you've got a choice of going to the Royal Wedding or Thatcher's Funeral, well, obviously you're going to go to the wedding... Weddings are more fun than funerals, aren't they? I've got an invite to a wedding this weekend. Do you want to go? Yeah, I'd love to. Got an invite to a funeral next weekend. Do you want to go? Ah, uh, no. Who was it? Ah, Th- oh, no. I didn't really know her very well. So I'm probably not going to go. Let's have a look at the other front pages, shall we? The Daily Telegraph. Wealth tax to pay for EU bailouts. Uh, oh, here we go. Why more 40 somethings are dating younger men? News. News. Page 11. It's Builders News in the Daily Telegraph. Shall we have a look? Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson, why 40-somethings are dating younger men. When it comes to the dating game, Mrs. Robinson is not only alive and kicking, but she's sexier and more self-confident than ever before, according to the actress Helen McCrory. Who's she? No idea. Women of a certain age are keeping their looks and still feel, here comes a rude word, sexually attractive, she said. In her latest film, oh, she's got a film out. The 44-year-old actress plays an older woman in love with a younger man. Oh, she's got a film out about an older woman going out with a younger man. Suddenly, this news, page 11, doesn't seem so newsworthy at all. Married for five years to Homeland actor Damien Lewis, McCrory claims that the rise of the so-called Cougar, named after the US sitcom Cougar Town, featuring a divorcee in search of love, has been fueled by changing attitudes. Literature is reflecting what is happening in life, she told The Observer. Well, hang on a second. Cougar Town is not literature. More and more women are having relationships with younger men. It's partly that women are not losing their figures now. They no longer feel it inappropriate to be sexual at 40. The actress, who is two years older than her husband... Uh, complains that eyebrows have been raised about the 20-year age gap between artist and director Sam Taylor-Wood and her husband Aaron Johnson, when no notice is taken of the hundreds of men dating younger women. Well, suddenly... I've I, the, the Page 11, news. Woman has film out. She talks about the subject of film in an interview. It doesn't affect her life. The Guardian. Oh, De Niro is on Twitter. That, that's worthy of a front page, is it? Uh, go ahead for protest at Thatcher Funeral. Uh, Damascus can no longer ignore the sound of war. uh, And uh, BBC rejects call to cancel Panorama over North Korea undercover filming, row. BBC clashes with the London School of Economics over undercover filming in North Korea on student trip. The BBC BBC has insisted it will broadcast a Panorama documentary about North Korea, despite protests from the London School of Economics that journalist John Sweeney put its staff working abroad at risk by posing as a student, well, hang on a second, they've gone to all this trouble, I hope. I should hope they will show it. Imagine if that sat on the shelves. What a waste of time. I do like a sneaky little bit of North Korean undercover filming. I do. There was a brilliant documentary about six, seven years ago where um, they kind of smuggled in some cameras to North Koreans who then smuggled them out again. It's Brilliant. Let's be honest, we'd all love to go to North Korea, wouldn't we? If we could be guaranteed we wouldn't be disappeared, as I'm sure we wouldn't. And I probably could. Working for the BBC, I could probably get a a, a visitor's part. Maybe not now after this, actually. But I could probably get a a, a visa to go there and have a look around. They do holidays. They do package holidays to North Korea. It's like a cultural exchange. That'd be more exciting than your trip to Magaluf, wouldn't it? Or Ibiza. Ibiza. Go and spend a week in North Korea. Have a look round there. Oh wait, four five nine, four double five five double five, five. We'll do the rest of the papers before nine if there's time.
8: Let's get the travel now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and bucks travel
18: BBC Three Counties Radio I fancy the sound of a nice weekend in the Costa del Pyongyang the M1 going southbound this morning heavy past the Northampton services through to the Newport Packnell services so that's from junction 15A where it starts to get busy the A1 looking rather busy as well, especially at the eaton Socon junction. From there through to the Black Cat roundabout there's quite a queue. The A1M is slow from Hitchin to Stevenage, and then as you get into London, the A1 gets busy again in Boreham Wood, with queues from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus on the cameras around there. The A10 in Cheshunt queues between the Great Cambridge Road and the Winston Churchill Way, and once you get beyond the M25, you'll find it busy in Enfield on the A10, Bullsmore Lane through to Southbury Road. If you're in High Wycombe or using the A40 as part of your commute, morning it is particularly slow into High Wycombe the A404 round High Wycombe looking busy as well the M40 from Beaconsfield to the M25 is slow moving though I wouldn't exactly call it a queue it is all at least on the move M25 clockwise delays from London Coney through to Potter's Bar and the roadworks anti-clockwise slow from the M1 to the M4 with delays of over an hour Trains this morning, Chilton, 15-minute delays possible, Marlborough to Harrow and South Ryslip, a broken-down train causing issues there, and First Capital Connect affected by disruption to the south of London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Hi, right, 8.46, I'm Ian Lee, these are
3: your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four men from Luton face prison after admitting discussing plans for a terrorist attack using homemade bombs. Police in Milton Keynes have launched an arson investigation after a house fire in ash on Saturday. In sport, the Australian golfer Adam Scott is the US Masters champion after a playoff victory over former champion Angel Gabera. Coming up, we'll be talking about whether kids follow in their parents' footsteps when it comes to choosing jobs. But before that, here's the weather with Elizabeth Razzini.
11: It's Hearts and Bucks weather.
21: BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Lots of spells of sunshine around across the three counties for this morning and into the afternoon. Just watch out for one or two showers here and there developing through the afternoon. There should be quite few and far between, quite light in nature. But, you know, don't be too surprised to see a little bit of wet weather at times. It's not going to be as mild as it was yesterday. Having said that, still pretty pleasant in the sunshine and the wind slightly lighter as well. We're looking at top temperatures between around 15 and 16 degrees Celsius in Luton in Bedford and in High Wycombe too that's uh, 61 in Fahrenheit now for this evening the showers will fade away and uh, we'll see quite a lot of cloud develop overnight, the winds pick up as well, temperatures not dropping below 8 or 9 degrees so a fairly mild night to come and into tomorrow, well a wet and windy start to the day but the winds will gradually ease down, the rain peter out and uh, we'll probably see quite a lot of cloud through the morning but some spells of brightness and sunshine into the afternoon, again top temperatures of around 14 degrees Celsius um, but a few showers around on Wednesday morning and on Thursday as well at times but i think things will generally tend to settle down as we head towards the end of the week which once more is looking dry and fine that's the forecast
10: thank you elizabeth on Tuesday night, the countdown to the end of the season continues with three counties sports. Watford are away to Millwall, with the Hornets still aiming for that top two place.
14: What a strike that is! And how will that affect the promotion race?
10: MK Dons are at Colchester, and the Dons still have playoff hopes.
7: Taken down low!
10: 2-0! Luton entertain Newport, hoping to avenge their heavy defeat in the away fixture. And Newport County me by five goals to two, Plus updates on Wickham's match against Northampton. Three Counties Sport, Tuesday night from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Have you followed in the footsteps of your parents when it comes to your career? well children now are less likely to do the same jobs as their parents than in victorian times apparently just 7% of children ended up in the same job as their mother uh, as their mother or father compared with almost half in the 19th century well if you do the same job as your parents our reporter has been on the lookout for you our family work-based correspondent
10: Justin Dealey has been out and about. Where have you been Justin and what have you found? Ian, I've been in Luton this morning and I, I kind of follow this to a certain degree because my dad was a mobile DJ and I became a mobile DJ. The buffet is now officially open. This one goes out to all the ladies from all the guys and my <laughs> uncle <laughs>
3: <laughs> It makes so much sense I'm now.
10: Rolling back the years. Here we go. Here's Abba. On the uh, wheels of steel yeah. it's JD Dealey.
3: <laughs> DJ JD.
10: Oh, when you get there and your lights don't work. Yes uh, legendary days and uh, my uncle was a radio presenter which is where I got the inspiration from which but is what you th- hope to be one day yes uh, one day one day you never know I might just get working on it yes, son absolutely um, anyway I've been out and about in Luton this morning asking people whether they did follow in their parents footsteps and this is what people had to say madam you're a bus driver your father was a bus driver so clearly you followed in his footsteps when your father died what did he say to you
21: he said I could drive a bus you could drive a bus And when he died, I decided I would go for it and drive a bus.
10: Wow. Must make you feel good that you're doing it, then?
6: Yes. And I think he's proud of me.
10: Now, madam, you've got a fascinating story because you followed in your father's footsteps. You both worked as scientists, but you can't tell us anything about it. Can you tell us why?
26: Because it's under the Official Secrets Act.
10: Until the day that you die?
26: Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, my father, when he retired, wanted to go to Russia. The government wouldn't let him go because he had too much up here, just in case.
10: Absolutely incredible. Yes. So you can't tell us exactly what you did, but you can tell us that you followed in the footsteps of your father working in science. Different,
26: different areas, though.
10: I you've got some tales to tell, haven't you? Oh, yes. well, You could tell us.
26: <laughs> no, I can't.
10: Linda, you didn't follow in your parents' footsteps, but you followed in your grandma's footsteps. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that?
16: My grandma was very clever. She used to do a lot of like machining and making like lace doilies, things like that. And I've always had that, I don't know what it is, talent for machining and making things, and I still do it now at home when I've got the time. So your
10: full-time job became a seamstress off the back of your grandma? Yes, it was. She taught you everything that you knew?
16: Yes. I love it. I mean, if I had my way, I would go in a room and just sit there with my machine, materials, everything. I'd love it things like today,
10: you can't do that. Well, Brian, we're here in the butchers. You've been a butcher for 44 years. Did you encourage your sons to also become butchers a bit like you? No, I didn't at all. Can you tell us why? Well, not... I said it's a hard life, you know, it's long hours, six days a week. And, you know, they never wanted to do it. They never even got enthusiastic over it. Nothing like that. Did that upset you at all? Did you kind of want them to follow in your footsteps? No, not
27: really. I wanted them to do their own thing go out and do their own thing
10: and you never followed in your dad's footsteps so i mean very very briefly how did you become a butcher 44 years ago
27: yeah well i started
10: as in a village shop working as a saturday boy and then when i left school i liked the job the thing so much so i just carried on and you genuinely still love it 44 years on um well it's a job (laughs) (laughs) i do get fed up with it now and again but
27: hey my time of life too late to change now
10: what on earth was that woman on about? Well, apparently. You're talking about the scientists. The yeah? scientist spy, yes. Yes, yes apparently. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah. She couldn't tell us too much, but uh, as you heard there, she followed in her father's footsteps. Uh, she was a scientist, but, but she can't say too much. She was working for the government, and uh, until the day she dies, she can't say anything because but that job comes under the Official Secrets Act. But
3: then how does she know what her dad did? He must have broken the Official Secrets oh, Act to tell her. Well, quite possibly, but I don't suggest- get her in trouble. No, I suggest the police haul this, this troublemaker in for questioning.
10: <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, excuse me, did, did you follow in the footsteps of your, your mum and dad? Yes, but uh, it's under the Official Secrets Act. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the, the passing down the
3: bus driver through generations mm. is an odd one. You, you can be a bus driver too.
10: Yeah, again, but as but she says there, you know, her father, it was his wish, and she's now doing that job. She feels incredibly proud, but a number of these jobs we're talking about they're not there anymore. know. We spoke to that butcher. He wouldn't want his sons going into that trade because it is a dying trade. I spoke to a news agent. They said to me earlier on, this is the worst that we've known it in 30 years. We don't want our children going into this trade. And also, we spoke to a lady who was a machinist. Well, when was the last time you spoke to anybody who's a machinist in this country? I don't even know what a machinist means, to be honest. It's somebody who sits by a machine all day, uh, so I'm led to believe. But uh, oh. th- th- those sort of jobs, they are dying out, and that's probably why. We're not going to see this so much well, now.
3: well, I would imagine as well it's a problem on farms. Because for centuries, farms would get passed down. It was assumed that the kids would take on the farm. Mm.
10: Who wants to run a farm these days? <laughs> I'm sure there's people out there who want <clears> to. In actual fact, saying that, I went to a farm. It was the Pepsilene Farm in Bedfordshire yeah. about three months ago. And we were looking for young farmers, not too many out there. I spoke to, I think his name was John, who was about 25. And uh, he absolutely loves it. And he has followed in his father's footsteps. But I think nowadays, those stories are, are few and far between. I, can, I
3: cannot imagine you, Mr. Dealey, getting up, well I can imagine you getting up early, you do that, you do it very well,
10: but going out and mucking out the pigs and, and uh, milking, milking the cows. No, I, I can't see myself doing it. When I go there, don't get me wrong, I enjoy being there for 20 minutes or so, yeah. but I'm pleased to get out.
3: Justin, thank you very much. Excellent stuff as always. 08459 um, we were to- oh We were talking about Saturday jobs earlier on. Because kid, kids these days, they don't do Saturday jobs. I did a Saturday job. I worked in B-jams. It was horrible. I hated it. I did it for about two and a half years. And then I had an argument with the manager. Because i, I tell you why I left. It's because they put me on the till. I wasn't meant to work on the till. I wasn't very good at the till. I was the I was shelf stacker. That's why I did. I filled the freezers. That was it. Don't put me on the till. It was before proper electronic tills. It was like rubbish tills. And um, we, uh, the, the, you didn't scan stuff in. They had those price labels on. You know, the price guns. They had those on. But because it was frozen food, the price would often come off. So you could spend ages going through the list, working out what the price was. Or you could guess. So I was on the till. This lovely old couple came in. I thought, oh, there's no price on this. I'm going to guess. And I, I, I gave them a really cheap shop. I took, like, taking... It must have saved them about 15 quid, which back in those days, was a, you could buy a house for that. So just get, making up prices that were obviously really cheap. They came back half an hour later. They said, oh, you overcharged us 10 pence on this packet of peas. Flipping it. And I got hauled in by my manager. She was the deputy manager, and she didn't like me. What's this all about? I said, well, so you shouldn't have put me on the till. 17, stroppy little so and so. I said, Do you know what? You can shove your job. You can shove it. I've been there two years. I thought, oh, I've been here two years. They'll, they'll keep me, but the, the real manager will come in and won't let this this awful, um, unfair act happen. He'll beg me to come back because I'm the Saturday boy. Didn't beg me to come back. I walked out. I walked out that night. Don't worry, I went and got a job in Safeways almost immediately. Uh, anyway, uh, Jackie in Chesham has texted him. I had a Saturday job in B Jams. It was way back in the mid-'70s in Watford, Happy days. It was fun. Some of the st- I can say this now because b jams doesn't exist. Some of the stuff we did to the food behind the scenes. Oof. Yeah, honestly. Well, if, if, a, if a packet of sausages opened fell open and the sausage fell on the floor, sausage football, of course. No, and then you would put it back in and try and reseal it. It, I'm sure everything has changed now. This was in the the late 80s, so everything has changed since then. Everything is uh, completely different. Very naughty, the stuff we used to get up to back there, though. Also, we just used to... Also, (laughs) this is so bad. One of the people, when he first got a car, I won't say his name, but we had a delivery delivery dock at the back of, of the thing, and he would pull up his car... And then just put a load of food in it and drive off. Terrible. Terrible. Very, very naughty. Uh, We've also been talking about um, Parkinson's uh, this morning, and uh, Marina has emailed in. I went to Yorkshire last week to see my sister who's got Parkinson's. She's at the stage where she needs constant help. Her husband had dementia and does not know what he's going to do from one minute to the next. When I was there, she had an appointment with the specialist. The ambulance, which takes disabled patients in their wheelchair, came in time to get us to the hospital. As the guy pushed the chair, my sister started slipping. She asked for help and he said health and safety prevented him to do this. He turned the chair around and took her back indoors. He then left her in the chair where she slipped again, so she was left with her bottom on the floor and her back against the frame. After They aren't allowed to lift. One person isn't allowed to lift on their own. I know it's ridiculous, but it's true. I've come across this. After a useless 999 call and waiting for help, she managed to call her son in London. He made a call to two guys who came straight away. She was on the floor for nearly an hour and a half. I made a call to the ambulance centre the next day and was kept waiting for 25 minutes with the message, your call is in a line. In the end, I gave up. Uh, yeah, I've come across this. If there's one person, uh, mm, yeah, I know. and I, <laughs> I can sort of understand it. They don't want to do their backing, but you kind of think a little bit of common sense, you'd have a go. They're not allowed to lift. Marina, thank you very much for that. Thank you for all your stories on Parkinson's today. Fascinating.
18: Here's the Travel travel News now. Here's Adam Glynn.
8: And, bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
18: and still very slow on the A1, southbound from eaton Socon through to the Black Cat Roundabout. Busy on the A1M between Hitchin and Stevenage, and then into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood. Stirling corner to Mill Hill Circus, quite a queue there. The A10 through Chesant is queuing. The Great Cambridge Road through to Winston Churchill Way. Then beyond the M25, it queues again through Enfield between Baltimore Lane and Southbury Road got a bit of a queue according to the speed sensors in uh the stortford road the a120 at the minute westbound approaching the high street the a41 in aylesbury's looking slow between the woodlands roundabout and king edward avenue the a5 in dunstable hasn't eased off very much southbound still slow between church street and lynch hill m25 clockwise has delays going into the roadworks that's london coney junction 22 through to 24 at potter's bar anti-clockwise slow from the m1 to the m4 taking about an hour on that section chiltern now back to normal on the trains after a broken down train earlier first capital connect though disrupted to the south of london with delays of up to half an hour because of a derailment adam Glynn, bbc three counties Radio.
3: thank you very much adam well thank you to everyone who took part this morning back tomorrow at six stay tuned though jvs is it's up next
14: beds, hearts and bugs talking.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
14: Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday. And on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, do you agree...